For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Talking about stories, we've been seeing some shots online from Enniscorthy County, Wexford. In the height of the summer, hailstones fell upon them. Large hailstones. At one stage, I thought I was actually looking at a photograph of snow. It happened yesterday. It's bizarre, a freak hailstone like that. Uh, mind you, there was a fair amount of, uh, you know, heavy downpours over the weekend here and there and quite an amount of wind as well. In fact, you know, you talk about um, the, the whole tourist trade. One of the papers this morning... Morning, the star says um, that uh, the summer exodus has begun just as the thunderstorms arrive in Ireland. So over a million people expected to head off on sun holidays in the coming days. So Cork, Cork Airport will be rocking and the ferries will be rocking as well. And I suppose one thing that won't be rocking today is the Dursey Island cable car. Uh, apparently there's some issues with regards to it with technical requirements needed to be done to it, which is kind of a bit strange considering you've got to be very, very safe with things like this. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but considering it only opened about a week ago, so uh, nothing happening there today. I don't know whether it's weather related or the, the strong winds that they need to check something, but there you have it nonetheless. But I suppose the summer exodus has to do with, I suppose, you know, schools finishing up and um, forgive me, I don't I don't know of anybody in, in primary school in my life at the moment, except my my sister's son, and I don't know what the story is there. I think they're, yeah, the, the reason I suppose that this is the week of it is this is probably the week that primary schools knock off. I wonder, does anybody take the children out that little bit early, you know, um, or indeed uh, not, um, you know, wait until September. Some people wait till September, October and take the kids out then as well because they get much better deals. I wonder where you're on with that, where you're at with that. Text 86 Tragedy, though, um, on our beaches yet again. This is so sad. Down in East Cork on uh, Ballycronine Beach, not too far from Ballycotton, apparently. Uh, the examiner on the echo carried today, but the mirror has it on its front page with a big headline, Mum Dies Saving Son. Um, her, boy, her boy got into difficulty swimming in the sea and she went in to try and save him. Got into trouble herself and was airlifted to hospital by the Coast Guard uh, and uh, the exact details remain unclear, but the woman was attempting to save her son's life and died in the process. Uh, the boy uh, ended up getting to the rocks and was safely rescued. Uh, but then uh, his mam got into difficulties herself. Um, critical when the papers were talking about it uh, yesterday, but unfortunately updated then uh, later to say that she had uh, passed away. Her son is receiving treatment for non-life-threatening injuries. The echo carried as well, where they say a woman uh, died yesterday in the COH after she and a child got into difficulties uh, at the sea, off the, near in the sea, off the coast of East Cork. It's oh so sad, you know. You know, a parent who is so protective of a child that you would automatically go to the rescue, uh, and that's just. Uh, the human nature of how we're built and how we're designed and how we're wired. But it's very, very sad. I was talking recently to Bobby Lynch on air on behalf of the uh, Cork taxi drivers. He's the Cork, he's the boss of the Cork Taxi Council. Uh, and again, the echoes picking up on uh, the um, yet more attacks and um, taxi drivers being beaten up as they go about their job. So it fell in court last week in connection with one particular case. Uh, Bobby Lynch and Gardy want extra Gardy to patrol the streets uh, because of the spate of assaults on taxi drivers. And he's right, um, and even Donna O'Leary picks up and it says, taxi drivers do not deserve to be in fear of assault 
when they're just going about doing their jobs. Uh, there's a lot of anger out there and obviously an awful lot of people have got issues uh, and imagine some of them are psychological issues but others uh, just uh, can't handle drink uh, and more again then are off their heads with regards to all sorts of different drugs but drugs but anger you know anger anger fighting uh, arguing with, with taxi drivers over money uh, late at night on the early hours of the morning not realising actually that these are the people that are getting you home safely talking about safely um, I see a story with regards to Bonner night over the weekend it's about 50 call outs to Cork City Fire Brigade so the busy night in fairness uh, but I don't think there was anything off the off the charts with regards to uh, problems, apart from the fact that they were crazy busy. Uh, they do talk about some issues with regards to people who were burning med, um, non-toxic items. Um, um, you know, think, not, I think a lot of the time the bonfires have stuff in them that just shouldn't be in them in the first place. But uh, the main story that's dominating much of the news these days is the carry-on within RTE. Uh, and of course there will be a big get-together to, to, uh, this week on Wednesday. Uh, with the Broadcast uh, Media Committee and the Public Accounts Committee um, asking those, well, I suppose insisting that those people that are front and centre in this uh, scandal come and answer questions uh, regarding Ryan Tuberty's salary and payments and stuff like that. So TD is going to demand full disclosure from RTE uh, on all star salaries. As a front page are making uh, this morning's mail. No cover-up of the gr- of the grubby deal. In fact, the star this morning talked at length to Eamon Dunphy and he said that uh, the media minister, Catherine Martin, if she can't find out the answers today... Uh, she should resign. Um, that this hanging around business just isn't on. Furious staff within RTE, for sure there is. Uh, and they're demanding that D Forbes comes before the committee for a grilling. The chances of that actually happening now are very, very slim. And I think Slim has even left the building. All because uh, D Forbes has left the building. And this morning we awoke to her uh, announcement that she has resigned, even though her tenure as um, uh, the DG within RTE ends in a couple of weeks. Uh, she resigned this morning and I imagine and I don't have a legal mind but I think that possibly one of the reasons for this is so that she won't have to uh, answer questions um, because she's no longer um, you know, an employee or in a role that has anything to do with RTE and she now is a private citizen. Uh, so furious RTE staff um, uh, they, they figure actually RTE staff are saying uh, things are going to get worse now at RTE because many people will now refuse to pay their €160 Euro annual licence fee. But uh, when you just think that this story couldn't give any more, then it does. And yesterday we heard that um, while negotiating Ryan Tuberty's contract, RTE and Ryan Tuberty's agent, Noel Kelly, obviously sat down to thrash out the numbers. And apparently, according to certainly the Sunday Times yesterday, as picked up by the papers this morning, RTE, whomever, and these are one of the questions that need answering, who decided that this was a good idea, RTE told Ryan Tuberty's agent, Noel Kelly, to send a British media company invoice, label it as consultancy services, um, and then the broadcaster used €150,000 to top up salary payments to the star through this um, British media company invoice under the label of consultancy services. Now, astonishingly, Ryan Tuberty's name was never mentioned on the paperwork or the payments, according to the Sunday Times yesterday. Um, So this UK firm actually does exist. It actually is a real media company. It's based in London called Astus. Um, So this uh, brings yet another 
you know, uh, link, if you like, to the story. It gets murkier and murkier and more and more sinister. I know the Mail on Sunday did a poll yesterday as to whether or not people think that RTE can be uh, can restore their trust. Uh, they were losing it anyway, but um, this revelation has seriously dented it because 72% of those people that were surveyed said no, uh, that they, they cannot and will not be able to restore a trust with regards to them as the broadcaster and us as the as the end user. One interesting question, though, was um, um, people wondering in what way was Ryan Tuberty himself culpable in this mess? And 75% of people said that Ryan Tuberty should have corrected the record himself and should have corrected the published figures of his salary and payments, which were wrong year after year after for, for, for six years. So some of the other questions that are going to need to be answered, uh, and again, this is a story from today's mail, is who signed off on all these arrangements? Who signed off on this barter deal business? Who's, who initiated this idea that it would be a good idea uh, that somebody else would pay an additional income to Ryan Tuberty of €75,000 a year? And then RTE would issue that company, Renault, with a credit note for advertising to the value of 75 grand. It's just nuts. Um, So another one, does this or other arrangements apply to anybody else? Uh, and, And there's loads of different questions. One would be, were these payments transacted through the barter account in order to conceal the payments? from the public so they wouldn't have to be published on the list and and if not i mean why not publish them why why not why not just give the whole figure i mean they're, they're huge numbers anyway, so like you might as well tell the whole truth. Um, and we'll come back to that for sure I will. And Seamus did a box on the streets of Cork on that one. And your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868-104-106. I see Ibal have announced the Tidy Towns list again. Uh, Mallow, please take a bow. I know I said this yesterday. I'm asking you to do it again today. Take a bow. Cleaner than the European norm. Yet again, Mallow leads the way in the entire county shows how it can be done in a big town scenario. Unfortunately, I have some bad news for you yet again. Cork City Centre, moderately littered, as is Mahan. So yet again, Mahan has work to do in Cork City Centre, but nothing like the work that needs doing on Cork's north side. Now, the north side of Cork is a big area, right? If you can go, you know, if you were to go west along, say, further than, than Holly Hill, and you could go east along further than Tivoli, that's all technically north side. So You'd really have to hone in on exactly where they're talking about. But these are problem areas, certainly, Cork's north side and to a lesser extent, Cork city centre. So I may come back to litter a little later on. It's a much cleaner city, I'd say, uh, 60 years ago this week when JFK came to Ireland and indeed his motorcade passed through the streets of Cork 60 years ago this week. It was the four days when um, Kennedy... Not rocked Ireland, but shamrocked Ireland, according to the Mirror. I wonder if there are many people who can remember it uh, 60 years ago. And you know, there are all sorts of people who like to protest or rally or have their feelings heard. Uh, and eco-warriors are amongst them. In this case, it might be deemed eco-thugs, though, because they're using this kind of a tactic. They're going around um, using lentils to deflate the tyres of posh SUV drivers. Uh, So they go around on the prowl in posh South Dublin areas, and they take the little cap off and they stick a lentil in uh, to the um, uh, little into the little tube entry, and then they screw back on the the cap top. And of course, the lentil pushes against the pin and lets out all the air, so they get away much faster. And apparently this small bean is pushed inside the valve cap and it has terrific results. Uh, even mentioning it, though, um, 
leads me to think that other might, people might think that's a, that's a good idea. The best thing you can do with lentils is soak them and then ultimately eat them. Um, it was rocking the crowds at Glastonbury at the weekend and Elton John will never ever again apparently play on UK soil at the age of 76. That was his last live gig. Uh, his farewell tour soon comes to an end. He's still standing at 76 and I don't know, they, they say they go, but I wonder, would he be inclined to come back again? You know, many people retire and come back and retire and come back. I'm looking forward to seeing a recording of that Elton John gig tonight uh, when I get home, but certainly watched the Cat Stevens gig yesterday at Glastonbury and I so enjoyed that. It was just wonderful to roll back the years. Oh, talking about rolling back the years, if you, like I, read the Enid Blyton uh, five books, as in five go down to the sea and five go to Smuggler's Top and all sorts of stuff like that, you might be interested in hearing from the UK Times this morning that 80 years after Julian, Dick and George and Timmy the dog hunted for treasure on Kieran Island, the BBC are bringing back um, another television show. Um, so it, there was this 21 books in total over 21 years. And the famous five started back in 1942. So they're bringing it back again. Um, not quite sure who's going to be the star or how many of them they're going to actually make. They probably will modernise it to make it more acceptable to all walks of life and all people of all colours and creed. And uh, imagine, uh, I don't know what they're going to do to the storyline. I don't think there's anything particularly offensive in these days that we live in now with regards to the storylines from those great books we had as kids. And, and, and at least there were actual real books. I see in The Independent this morning that they're talking about artificial intelligence teddies who will read the bedtime stories to your children based on what your children like. Uh, I don't know who'll be monitoring this or policing this, but apparently the kids themselves can tell the teddy the things they like, and then the teddy will make up the story and read it to them. <laughs> I mean, it's another it's another box ticked for lazy parenting, isn't it? Cork's number one talk show, The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. All right, straight to the phone lines we go. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Text 0868104106. Joe, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Thanks so much for holding. So from Hailstones up in Enniscorthy, where were you and what happened? Because there must have been some shock and wind. Listen, it looks as, as I look at it now, it looks like it was an All-Ireland event. Um, I was actually in Eagle Point camping in Bantry Bay, Ballylicky, little small town. Yeah. Um, so I'll give you the brief of what, what happened was it kind of came out of nowhere. It was like a train hitting the tent. Um, we knew the forecast was for rain. Didn't really experience heavy rain the way we did that night. I'm not sure if you've ever been in a tent. Rain yeah, hit long the tent. time, but I'd imagine yeah. rain and wind would frighten you. Well, rain hitting the tent is loud, but this was, it was definite, definite. Um And then when we, had, we hadn't been sleeping, so this was roughly around 2 a.m. in the morning. We were when, when, when was this? Was this Friday into Saturday or Saturday into it was Sunday? Saturday into Sunday. So it was 2 a.m. Sunday morning, we would say. Ferocious. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah ferocious. So, as I said, I, I couldn't sleep, so I, I kind of I was I was awake. Um, and next of all, the tent just took. Um, the beam, so we have an Airbnb tent, the beam kind of it kind of pushed down in, in the top, and I says, oh, this is it, here's the it's window. It's an eight-person. It's a few grand's it, worth it, of tent, isn't it? It's two grand of a tent, yeah. It's a big tent, and it's, it's well-secured. It's not like string, it's... It's full straps to hold it to the ground. It was pegged. I would say there's about 30 pegs holding this tent down. Um, so, yeah, it's not something that will be lifted very easy in a bit of wind. 
And we're not saying it. We've a lot of equipment. We've kitchens. We've hobs. We've spoiling ourselves with TVs. We've double beds. So I love it. Clamping. It, yeah. It's, well, yeah. I'm high maintenance, is what it is. <laughs> Go on, anyway. Don't interrupt because it's a very, very frightening story. It is, and I'm trying to make light of it now. But yeah, my wife is struggling a bit. My daughter's struggling even more. So, so as I said, two a.m. The beams of the tent started to dip, and within two seconds, the whole side of the tent was on top of us, and we were being dragged across the pitch. Um, not knowing where you were, you're, in, you're kind of in a tent, you're being pulled along the ground. We don't know if we were lifted, but the, the whole tent has separated itself from top and bottom. Um, the bedroom was all ripped from top to bottom. But as I said, we were dragged, and we smashed into a car. Um, now, I think I came forced. I was kind of out a little bit, so I hit the car forced. Um, smashed my head off the mirror, knee off. Well, how did that happen? What when the minute you're in the tent, how did you end up getting smashed off the car? Did everything move? The whole loss, the whole tent got lifted and we were dragged across the pitch. Yeah, it, it wasn't like the tent was just shaking. We were pulled up and pulled across the ground and hit the car. <sighs> so it all was frightening. I, I managed then to get out because, again, when you're in the tent, you don't know where the door is because the whole tent is now being twisted. It's been torn um, I ended up coming out the front door of the tent and my wife and daughter were at the back. When I got out, I was getting lashed on, but the tent had, had wrapped around the car. So my daughter was kind of wrapped around the back of this car. I was at the front and she was caught in the corner. So that was that was the most frightening part of it all is to think, how am I going to get these out? Because you've no sense of where you are, where the next door is. Um, we managed to get my wife and I kept screaming is Kerry okay is Kerry okay and she said I have her in my arms so we then there was two of us another a friend of mine Paul came over he helped us get out so there was two of us trying to manage to walk our way in because as I said with kitchens tellies mattresses they were all everywhere isn't it, isn't it a miracle that nobody was hit by a television or a table well, or a chair absolutely so I had taught this myself. It was more of a miracle if we had have been impaled into something. As I said, we were being dragged across the ground. We could have been dragged into an electricity pole or anything like that because there is electricity stands. Something like that would, would have... Yeah, it could have been a different outcome altogether. How far did the tent move before it actually collided? <sighs> felt like felt like a lifetime, but I'd say roughly 15 to 20 foot we were sliding because my car was kind of parked over a bit. Um, so we, we got the tent, we dragged it back to where its pit was. Um, but we had, we had a couple beside us and their tent was fine, absolutely fine. Again, they were about 10 foot away from us. So it looks like what this happened was it took a path from the sea, came up and there's a caravan that had flipped. It, it looks like it's been lifted and turned around and dropped back down. Flipped, yeah, it did, but it got trashed and smashed it up. It got were absolutely there, trashed. Were there yeah. people in that? Thank God there was nobody there that weekend. Thank God. Good God. I'm looking so, at photographs of it here. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite frightening. I mean, if you can see what it done to that caravan, their tent is only quarter of the weight of what that caravan was. No, I think we got away very, very lucky. They say there was also that, but what's the, another tent went 150 metres? So that's why I was just getting that. As it came around, so it, take, it took another turn and grabbed another tent. Now, that tent didn't travel too far. Again, it got wrapped, pulled, flew and wrapped all the way over. So they went over the car and then came back down and ripped an awning off another caravan. So it definitely took a path of destruction and then back out to sea. Isn't that amazing? And uh, were, 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 were any of your family members or other people injured? 
Thank God everyone was fine. There was nobody injured. Little bit sore. I'm kind of en route to the hospital now after this phone call. My knee is done. I don't know what's wrong with it. Um, as I said, I smashed my head off the mirror. But the other family was absolutely fine. So apart from that, my daughter's got a few sores this morning. Her hip is at her this morning. And my wife feels a little bit sore as well. But nothing major, thank God. Okay, so what kind of a morning did you have then after this devastation? So after that, we had to go, there's a little, um, just a little hut. So we had to build a makeshift hut, um, a makeshift bedroom in this hut. So again, we didn't sleep all night. We, we were awake all night. We let our daughter try and sleep. The morning then turned out to be absolutely beautiful. Amazing. And the sun was shining. Yeah. It was calm. A cruise ship had pulled into the bay. It was a totally different outcome to what we had gone through seven hours previous. Isn't it amazing how weather can change so quickly and then calmness descend again? I, I mean, I heard that rain beaten down. Yep. I was down Port McGee Valencia way and it was torrential okay. and the wind, a lot, no, no ferries went actually to Skellig's because of the wind you're talking about. But well, it, So we didn't have, the whole night we didn't have heavy winds. It, this basically came like a train through the tent. It yeah, came out yeah. of nowhere. A road-specific gust. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Hence why we think it could have been a water spout that came on the land. Because it wasn't, it wasn't a gust of wind. This just hit us immediately. Um, now, there is a couple of tents down by the seafront. They didn't get hit at all. And somebody's surfboard actually ended 150 foot up the, the caravan site. I'm so it so, obviously was taking uh, debris and thrown it. I'm so glad that nobody was injured badly. I mean, you obviously did Left. a bit of damage to yourself and got a bit of a whacking. Did you? It's the holiday over now. Done. We're home. Yeah. Well, we couldn't stay because the tent was destroyed. Um, and so had you we, intended staying much longer? We were going to stay that night as well, but we're, no, we, we had to pack up. Um, we, we couldn't have stayed in the tent the way it was. The bedrooms were all ripped out, as I said. The whole tent was basically torn upside down. Oh, my God. And broken. those people, when they come down and see the state of their caravan, mother of God. It's like... That actually got taken off the next morning. Yeah, sure, that's a write-off. Off, so that's gone. Yeah, total write-off. Yeah, totally yeah, yeah. Gone. So somebody came. First thing, I, I, you could hear them trying to up, re, realign it, and it was got dragged off the next morning. But... Um, Oh, look, we've, this is not Air Force Rodeo. We're camping the last six, seven years. We've had something similar in Clifton, but never... Clifton was just wind, but never the way that was. That was it's definitely a frightening experience. Is that the, it, that's not the end of tenting. I mean, I wonder how Kerry feels about it, your daughter. Oh, she, she it, it is going to be a tough call. I think it is the end of tenting for now. Yeah, I think we're, we're going to pack it in. It, it, look, we got lucky. Um, I think if we are going to go again, there's going to be a lot of research done on weather. But again, we couldn't have predicted that. You can't that, predict so it. That's the problem. There you are. It, yes. The next morning down in Ballylicky, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful Go, again. Absolutely stunning. Stunning. Yeah. Oh, I man, got into it, the shorts and into the sea, but I wasn't in the humour. I know. But at least you're all safe, Joe. At least you're We're all safe. We're all safe, yeah. Thanks for but sharing it was an experience I don't want to happen again. Okay. And incidentally, did you enjoy the rest of your visit down west along? Look, at the west is gorgeous. We, yeah. we do what you do. We go down to Mannix Point an awful lot. We do cards of Aden. All, all around that dirty nan. So, yeah, that's our answer. First time at Cork. Hope you're last. <laughs> no, don't say that. You're always welcome back. I feel awful for you now because your knee is so bad, you can't push the clutch. You've got to go to so, hospital in Port yeah. Leash. How are you getting there? You were told this already, were you? <laughs> I was. I was. <laughs> 
So it looks like I'm going to take out my daughter's electric scooter and scoot my way up the hospital. All right, get strapped up, man. Get yourself You're sorted. Take care of yourself. All Joe O'Connor right, on his electric scooter uh, to hospital. But boy, we could be talking about a tragedy this morning, bad and all as it was. Uh, text 0868104106 back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818104106. Red FM. One of the big questions, of course, now is um, the amount of people who already don't pay their license fee and will certainly dig in and say they will never pay their television license fee. Added to that is the worry that more people, and who could blame them, me amongst them, who are thinking, you know, I'm just not paying this anymore until this um, organisation gets its uh, house in order. But they were the kind of questions that Chambers asked on the streets of Cork on uh, Friday afternoon, Corkonians, as to whether they were happy with the licence fee, where it was going, how it was being spent, whether they had confidence in the national broadcaster, and also uh, comments you'll hear with regards to the salary payments to particular stars. Have a listen to this in the streets of Cork Friday afternoon. All that money that was, you know, underhanded, that we didn't know about. I mean, why? Why? You know? Why are they keeping secrets? What other secrets are they keeping? They're, you know, charging us more money all the time. And I don't mind paying for it, to be fair. I don't mind the programmes and all of that. But, like, I'd like to know what the money's being spent on. And how do you think it can be rectified now? Well, not having underhanded payments going forward, I guess. You know, being open and upfront. Oh, well, why should we be paying a licence when he's getting all the money? Do you have confidence in RT as a national broadcaster now after this? No, none whatsoever. They're, They're crooked to the core. And what would give you confidence? Well, I don't know really what would give you confidence anymore. Like, there's, no, there's no such thing as confidence anymore, no. The whole country is destroyed. <laughs> End of story. You can't trust anymore, no? I trust anymore, no. We have our TV licence that we have to pay. So, for what? It's all a money racket, it's it. Or, 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 like the government shirt, they're taking it off if you want to. And, like, are you still happy to pay your TV licence? I am here. Not at all. For what? For what? But, so we're not watching anything. Like, there's... Even with all the programmes and everything, there's, there's nothing coming on. Do you know? It's not worth the money, like. How would you get confidence back in the national broadcaster? How can they g- gain your confidence? I don't know, really, like. I suppose, you know, they'd have to change... Change things around like big time, you know. Well, how could you believe them? How could you believe anything nowadays? It has to go to the very top because the very top must have been aware of what was happening in this getting um, a, a client to subsidize the uh, salaries. Well, we've had D Forbes being suspended, that might be a signal there. Well, it's at the very top. If you're at the very top and you're earning this sort of, I don't know what she was earning, 350000 a year, 400000 a year, you must factor in what's going to her in pension as well. And this is a costly person to have at the top. And they are responsible. That's where the book has to stop, practically. Uh, how do you root it out now if it has become malpractice? I don't genuinely know, but I suppose you just have to open up quickly and rear guard action. <laughs> it's all on the radio this morning. So you don't know what's going on behind there, the studio doors, do you? And are you happy that that's where your tax money, your licence fee was going? No. No. And I paid my uh, licence all the years. I did 
so you don't get no satisfaction now anyway. And would you have confidence in RTE now after this? Not really. Not really. How could they regain your trust? Well, I'm not even sure now uh, at this stage. Do you know? One way or the other. You know. I don't know what's going to happen there, but there'll be an inquiry, I'd say, definitely. There'll be an inquiry. What comes out of it after, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah, but you'd have to ask what, at what cost to the taxpayer. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame for, like, I mean, there's people out there working their guts every day and they're paying big taxes. And it probably shouldn't have happened, but we'll have to wait and see what comes at the end of it. Do you know what? course, that was on Friday afternoon. At that stage, we had known that uh, D Forbes, the DG of RT, had been suspended. But we woke to the news this morning that she has resigned and uh, she issued a statement. It's quite a lengthy statement. I won't be in an opportunity to read it all out. But the pertinent points to it are that she says, as director general, I am the person ultimately accountable for what happens within the organisation. I take responsibility seriously. I'm tendering my resignation to RTE with immediate effect. She says in early 2020, RTE began discussions about renewing Ryan Tuberty's contract um, and that discussions on the new contract were taking place in the context of challenges within RT, etc. etc. Amongst them, uh, the fact that uh, the government wanted RTE to reduce the top talent fees paid to the top 10 by a further 15%. There was Actually, this was part of a wider cost-cutting strategy uh, that many, many staff in, in ORT were affected by. She says, as Director General, I led the discussions with the agent for Ryan Tuberty together with other senior RTE executives. So she's saying there that she was not alone in this. Uh, they wanted to make a cost-saving for RTE in respect of contractual payments, which were due to be paid. And she says, at the same time, we were attempting to retain Ryan Tuberty's services as a valued presenter, negotiate a new contract with the agreed 15% cost-cutting target in mind. So we try to find a solution to the challenges explored if a long-serving commercial partner, which turned out to be Renault, if a long-serving commercial partner might take on a commercial relationship directly with Ryan Tuberty, an agreement was reached which delivered cost savings for RTE. The agreement meant that the commercial partner would enter into a separate contract with Ryan Tuberty for 75 grand in exchange for the provision of three events annually. And the partner agreed to this new business relationship with Ryan Tuberty, but they required the change to be cost neutral to them. Um, so this is what we were talking about the other day when we were saying um, that RT then gave them uh, a 75 grand credit note against advertising. Uh, back to our statement, she says, I did not at any stage contract contrary to any advice. Uh, for unfortunately, the pandemic restrictions meant that the commitment from the client couldn't be met in 2020 or 2021, and they only delivered on 2022. Um, at this point, only one 75,000 payment had been made. Uh, but payments were sought for 2020 and 2021, and it fell to RTE to guarantee it even though we never expected nor had budgeted for them. So the point being that RTE paid the 75 in 21, RTE paid uh, the 75 um, in, in, in 22. Uh, she says, I and the representatives of RTE acted in good faith. 
she says, um, I understand from media reports and RT statements that the board raised questions concerning payments to Ryan Tuberty between 2017 and 2019, but I have no knowledge of these payments and the board did not raise these questions with me. She says, the board has not treated me with anything approaching the level of fairness, equity and respect that anyone should expect as an employee, a colleague or a person. All of this has had a very serious and ongoing impact on my health and well-being. I am deeply sorry for what has happened and my part in this episode. And for that, I apologise unreservedly to everyone. And at the start of the statement, she said, of course, I'm tendering my resignation to RTE with immediate effect. I'm Jane, but joined by Shane Ross, columnist with the Sunday Independent, former Minister for Transport, Tourism and Sport. And he's been writing at length on this, doing a lot of media interviews and an interesting article in the Sunday Independent yesterday. Shane, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thank you for having me on. For, firstly, why do you think now, around about eight o'clock on a Monday morning, um, D Forbes decided to resign? Uh, well, she was already suspended. It's a somewhat meaningless gesture, I suppose, because she's already been suspected. It's a, it's a suspended, and she was due to uh, finally go out of office in about a fortnight's time. So it's it's not really. She wasn't acting as uh, director general. Uh, for the last few days since the suspension, and she wasn't going to be into it when she went when she goes on, on the tenth of July. But I, th- I suppose it gave her an opportunity, first of all, to make the statement, and secondly, we'll see. But this week, it may mean that there is less compelling. There are less compelling reasons why she should come before. It'd be a good excuse, maybe, for not becoming because she's no longer on the staff, and they can't really push it as hard as she could before to come before... That she wouldn't have to go before the committees this week to answer questions because she's no longer has anything to do with RT. Correct. I think she could... It looks like it may be, but I may be being unfair to her. It may be her her shield for saying, look, I'm not a staff member anymore. I don't have to go before the Erectus Committee. The board will go and other staff members will go... Not me, I've resigned. If that's the reason, it's not a particularly honourable resignation and it would mean that she was not going to be helpful in providing the information which is necessary. But we'll have to wait and see. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just curious, you know these, the, what's going to happen on Wednesday? Um, people can't be compelled to attend, can they? It's, no. down, it's their own call, is it? It's their own call, but although the committees can go through a very tortuous process, if they refuse, if people refuse to come, of forcing them to come, but that's nearly always gets bogged down in kind of legal cases and doesn't doesn't actually happen. Uh, so it really isn't, it basically it's her, it's her call whether she comes or not. She can't be told by RTE to turn up now because she's no longer a staff member and RTE are, is going to turn, turn up. We don't know the composition of who's going to come from RTE or who they're going to instruct to come okay. along. Yeah. They're obviously going to tell top executives to come along, but they can't tell T Forbes. I'll come back to that in a second, but... She she says in her statement, her resignation statement, she's very forceful on this, saying that she led discussions, that she wasn't the only one. There were other RTE senior executives. She keeps using the word we as opposed to I. And she talks about the fact that she feels that she'd been very shabbily treated, almost thrown under a bus by RTE, and that it's affecting her health. Uh, do you feel for her in that regard? This, this is a fighting statement. This isn't someone going quietly. This is someone saying, look, okay, I'm going. I did wrong. I apologize. and I, I would wish it had not happened. But it's then saying, yeah, that, as you say, it's talking, it talks about other people who were involved in decision making. She talks about her legal and her financial co- colleagues, so lots of pe- people in, involved. And then she says she did not act contrary to advice. 
that means that basically she did what she was told, if she wants to put it that way, that the experts were telling her, you know, in the financial and legal world, that this was the way to go, and she didn't. She, it wasn't her initiative, it came from someone else. So she's passing the buck, as everybody is in this particular situation, by the year. By the way, there's a lot of buck passing going on. Uh, but she's also pointing the finger at the board. I mean, they're the people who suspended her last week, and she's saying, and this is a robust and uh, fairly, fairly tough accusation. She says she has not been treated with a fairness and the respect that would be worthy, I think she says, of a colleague. Uh, and then she says her health is suffering as well. So she's not... She's not going down without without a fight, and she's not going to. At some stage, she's obviously going to be prepared to have her say and say say how she's been mistreated by the board. I think she's she she does obviously feel uh, wronged or deserted, or as you say, thrown under a bus. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It, we're talking about, about we're talking about three hundred and forty-five thousand euro over a number of years, of which two of yeah. those were seventy-five thousand euro payments, which RTE then issued credit notes to the value of advertising to the commercial client. Um, And then we heard at the weekend that they created very strange invoices or asked Ryan Tuberty's agent to send a British media company invoices and to label them as consultancy services. Surely that's deceitful. Well, I mean, the the deceit is the question that hasn't been answered in Forbes' statement. What she does, she, she confirms... All the, all the reports that were already in the media about this extraordinarily contrived uh, uh, way of getting the money uh, to Mr. Tuberty. Tuberty. But what she doesn't say, and this is the nub of the whole matter, which has been the nub of the whole matter since it broke last Thursday, is why, and the narrative which she gives, it, we, we don't need to just, just disbelieve, but what she doesn't say, and nobody has said yet, why was it to be kept such a big secret? What, the, what was the reason for it to be a secret? But you see, there were, Neil, as you know, there were there were an awful lot of people, and she's she's pointing a finger at them all. I think in this statement, there were employees, there were legal people, there were financial people, there were people in RT, there were people in, involved professionally, there were agents, etc., who knew about this, but all of them said nothing about it. And when the figures were released and the figures were wrong, all those people kept their mouths shut. Including herself, of course. Yeah, That's it, the problem. Yeah, in, in, uh, just to, from the point of view of being fair to everybody, Ryan Tuberty issued yeah. the or- original statement, which was not great, then came back and tried to clarify one or two things and did apologise. He said that he should have, in hindsight, uh, come out and held his hands up and said the published figures were wrong. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, of course he should have. T- I mean... He, he he came out of the, he he came out in, the, in his first statement and said, "Look, it's nothing to do with me. The way figures are released, um, <laughs> it's nothing to do." And the RTE releases them that way. It's, hey, I, I I I it's not my job to release them. But he should, of course, come out and cry fire and say, "Hey, that's a bit funny. That's not what I got. I got a lot more than that." But he didn't do that. Now, when there was a public outcry on Thursday and Friday, he then came out and apologised and said, yeah, I should have done that. And obviously he, he should have done that, but he's not the only one. A lot of others obviously should have at that stage say, hey, this is a bit odd. This is a bit odd. I mean, these, these figures were coming out wrong for many, many years and nobody said anything at all. So it's only when they're released from elsewhere that they all come out and say, yeah, we should have, we should have done it that you, way. You said in the Sunday Independent yesterday that you mm-hmm. find it hard to see how Ryan Tuberty can ever return to being the trusted voice of the nation. Are you saying that he won't make it back? I don't know whether he will or not. That's that's not a decision which I can I can predict because RT is very <laughs> it makes very strange decisions. But but 
uh, I think it's very difficult to carry any credibility say, when he's asking people for accountability, and for, particularly politicians, maybe, and for truth. And he may, may be in, on matters. And remember, he, he's held, uh, you know, Michelle Martin, Leah Varadkar, Mary Lou McDonald, all these people to account on, on political issues, on transparency and accountability. It's very difficult to see him having held his mouth and kept, kept quiet about his own situation then asking other people about theirs to be accountable. Only on the basis that he didn't correct them. I mean, one could say that his agent did the deal with RTE and he possibly would have asked, is everything okay? Everything straightforward? Not missing anything? Nothing to see here? And he could have been told, everything is fine. You're saying that the issue for him is not correcting it when he knew the published numbers were wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he should have cried foul. I mean, he must have known they were wrong. That is That takes a lot of explaining. He must have known those figures were going out. Year after year in the, into the public arena, and they were and they were wrong, and obviously he didn't correct it. That is that is that is a real problem. And these this barter account, um, yeah. which we also heard involved fifty million euro bungs to advertising agencies. Um, that's bizarre, isn't it? Is is that normal practice? I don't think so. I think uh, advertisers say it's normal practice, but you you know the the the, the reaction to the barter account has been almost. Universal since Thursday. What is a barter account? I've, you know, I've been looking at public accounts as a, as a journalist and a many other, and as a stockbroker for many years. I had never in my life heard of a barter account before last week. Uh, and the chair of RTE said, you know, that this this was an account which was not under the control of the normal in the normal financial controller in RTE. Now I think that's that's being corrected. They've moved it to make sure it has been in the future, but it has to be explained. Uh, why this very obscure, almost unknown account was used for this purpose? Now, the the um, does the Forbes does try and explain it. I think in a statement to say and said, well, it was an account that was that was in credit, so it was rather convenient to take it out of that. But that's not not adequate. Yeah, it's very murky dealings, though. I mean, yeah. if that's I mean, so. Wh- wh- where are we at now? Should RTE really m- make up its mind whether it's a commercial entity or whether it's a public sector broadcaster? Because clearly, it shouldn't have both. I think you we're in a situation where RTE has got an absolutely fundamental problem. We don't know. We don't know how deep or how how far it runs, but the extent of the knowledge of this sort of activity is widespread in RTE. That's something which Dee Forbes obviously addresses in her statement today. You know, a lot of people knew about this. A lot of people were involved in the negotiations of this. She says that there were other events that happened. You know, we know there was there were the, the, the payments in 2017 to 2019 to Ryan Tupperley, of which she says she knows nothing as well, but these payments were about 120,000. Were also a matter of concern to the board. Which we're also incorrect. Also, we're yeah. also incorrect. Yeah. They have to be. They have to be um, investigated now. How many other people prior to that time or during that time? We know it's not happening presently. Were involved on these kind of secret payments as well. What does that tell us about RT? It tells us that it's a, an organisation which is fundamentally secret. It's keeping secrets from the public when it's meant to be the one that's holding them accountable. But it's also yeah. keeping s- secrets from its hard-working staff who wouldn't be on any kind of near money like the money we're talking about, right? How must they feel? Well, Neil, I think I, I, I kind of addressed that in the in the article I wrote yesterday. You did. And uh, that was, I was absolutely sh- shattered when I went into RTE on Thursday to do, to do a programme after this broke. 
and everybody there was genuinely. I mean, the, this, these were the front, the frontline people, not not the management staff. These are frontline people working on the programs. They just felt despair. They felt that this organisation, uh, for whom they, you know, given their working life, which which they were very proud of working for, they they like RT. They're proud of it and and its reputation had let them down incredibly badly. And they felt there was a kind of insider network at the top working, which they didn't know anything about. And these people were probably being paid, you know, 30 or 40,000 a year. And they were talking about people who earn, I think, 500,000 a year, uh, you know, not, 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 not being clean with them. And they felt just let down and betrayed. What about the public then? Because there's a lot of talk now with regards to people saying, I am not going to pay my licence fee ever again. Yeah, I, 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 you can understand that feeling as well because they feel that the information they're getting is wrong and why should they pay a license fee if they're not getting the right information this news about people's salaries which was false fake news it was untrue was going from rte to the rte newsroom and being read out on the rte news to the general public yes yes that's, that's what was happening and that was being that was being you know colluded with and connived with them and being directed from on top. So the public have a reason to be agreed with RT, and they have a reason for saying, do we believe what they are telling us anymore? Because it was it was actually provided by them to their own newsroom. Yes, but should should people continue to pay their licence fee? Ah, uh, well, you, you know, I, 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 think it, I, think, I think they will. Do you know what I mean? I think they will, quite honestly. I think some people will, will not pay it, and I can see but why they're they only not, They'd only pay it out of fear of getting a knock on the door and the guards taking them away with a warrant. Yeah, that's why, that's why they will pay it. You're absolutely right with that, because they won't feel it's, it's worth it, because they're not getting the sort of service that they deserve. But, but let us hope that, that, that we are now in the, you know, that, that, that we are now on the, on the brink of fundamental changes which will reform to the extent that, that that grievance is removed. But at the moment, we're, we're in limbo. We're not assured of that. I heard someone saying this morning on, on, on a programme, you know, that RTE was now being led from the bottom. I thought it was a very good phrase. I think it was Jane Souter on RTE. And what she meant by that was that people have completely lost confidence in the top. Um, but that actually the, the staff, the frontline people asking questions, the people making the programmes, have come out of this with some credit because they haven't been behind the door and being willing to mm. ask questions of mm. their bosses. Mm. I think they've been great at that, actually. Mm. And the unions are very much that. leading it. I'll talk with the union member after 10. Yeah. Let's see what happens among other things on Wednesday because there's two Oroctus committees this week um, who will yeah. be hopefully asking questions and that um, you know those that attend won't hide, be- won't hide behind commercial sensitivity, right? Yeah, I think that's 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 the RTE instinct. It always has been. I've, I've been experiencing this for many, many years. But yeah, the RTE instinct is to say, "Oh no, we don't tell you about the boards. We don't tell you about what happens because it's because it's commercially sensitive." No, that won't be acceptable any longer. There isn't really much commercial sensitivity left in RTE. What, what's here is the credibility of the whole organisation. The excuses just won't be acceptable, and people not turning up won't be acceptable. Either they're going to have to actually come clean on absolutely everything, and that includes the board, who who have a lot of questions to answer. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for taking the call, Shane. As always, we'll pick it up after ten. Shane Shane Ross, uh, text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Guys, pick up the phone on oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. There are a lot of unanswered questions. Um, curious as to whether many people will actually decide not to pay uh, their television license fee uh, and just write it out, even in fear 
of, um, you know, possibly getting that knock on the door and that uh, court summons back after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Fancy a Monday munch to start the week, courtesy of ourselves and offbeat donuts. They're like clockwork. Every single Monday morning, we've up to five boxes of donuts. That could be upwards of 60 donuts, depending on the size of your business and the Red Patrollers will deliver them Monday lunchtime courtesy of ourselves and offbeat donuts creating those circles of obsession on French Church Street so for you and your work colleagues if you'd like to win text who you are and where you are and most importantly why you think you and your workmates deserve this Monday munch courtesy of ourselves and offbeat donuts but text or WhatsApp 086 106 and we'll start the shout outs a little later on uh, this morning many texts coming in which I will come back to um, with regards to people's thoughts on the recent developments within uh, RTE and the disclosures and the revelations um, it's interesting in my conversation with, with Shane Ross just before 10 I was asking him how the staff within RTE must feel. And he went into that in quite some detail. But I want to stay with that, actually, because Trevor Keegan is the chairman of the NUJ RTE sub-branch, uh, has worked in and works in television himself, producer, journalist, continuity announcer, weatherman, uh, quite an amount of strings to his bow, and he joins me by phone. Trevor, good morning. Good morning. You see, we're not all highly paid and doing just one job, Neil. Some of us have to do multitasking. Multi- multitasking. In fact, there there's some very good statistics available um, that you have issues in a statement comparing the top 10 salaries to maybe average salaries of those uh, individuals who work on key shows on radio, but more to the point on television, right? Yes. Um, we issued a statement after the emergency in the meeting on Friday and just to kind of compare and contrast with the kind of situation that we see Ryan is in as, at the helm of, well, formerly at the helm of the likes of the Late Late Show and his radio programme, that um, a staff researcher in RTE on the Late Late Show would have to wait 12, 40 years before they could get to the top of the grade, which is just over 55,000, I believe. And, I mean, I think the problem is that a lot of people, and maybe because of what they see as the top 10 earners and then, that's the highlight and the publicity grabbing kind of news items that they see regarding salaries but people might have a, a misinterpretation of all of us earning those kind of golden goose fees and that's not the case I understand no, just move around a little bit if you could Trevor yeah. just while you're doing that uh, while we know the payments say for instance for presenting the Late Late Show um, a researcher on that show could work for as little as 32,700 euro a year that would be starting, yeah. yeah. Um, starting salary, somebody coming into it at yeah. the lower level, yeah. yeah. So while people could probably understand why a star would make significantly more, they must feel very betrayed now, knowing that even that figure was false. Well, that's the problem. They, the trust and Ortiz's mission statement on its own website states that it's about trust with the public and trust with the staff and that they should be open and transparent in their dealings and decisions. And that has not been the case in this situation, obviously. Um, I've never been in the organisation. I'm there over 20 years at this stage in different guises. I've never been in the company on the campus and seen such despondency, despair, not even just the palpable anger, but a, a sense of gloom. Staff just feel betrayed 
um, and lied to, obviously, as well as the public. And that trust, they're hard. The, the reason, the core mission, particularly of my newsroom journalistic colleagues in particular, their core mission is to serve the public, to gain that trust, to hold other people to account. And uh, as was said by one journalist at the emergency meeting on, on Friday morning, um, they had been out doing interviews prime time that morning ahead of uh, an investigation culminating that they're working on for the last few months. And two of their interviewees who were, you know, uh, needed to be held to account threw back at them straight away going, you get your house of cards in order first before you start probing questions with me, basically. Mm, mm, that's and the personal the impact, of, yeah. This yeah. is the damaging trust that they have instilled now in the public's consciousness because of this, these actions and activities. Okay. And the news this morning that Dee Forbes has decided to tender her resignation. Your thoughts on that? Well, I sincerely hope that she still cares deeply, as she says in her statement, about the company and so much so that she will care enough to actually turn up and go to these uh, PAC committee and media committee hearings this week. Um, It would be remiss of her, I think, at this stage to just run for the hills and uh, bury her head in the sand, as so many of them did in the first initial stages of this process. Um, I think that it still has questions to be answered. It's thrown up actually a few more questions than answers. Her statement says that she didn't know anything about payments previously to 2020, and yet we know that Ryan was paid up, up to about 120000 between 2017 and 2019. She says she didn't act contrary to advice, so whose advice was she not acting contrary to? Who else was in the know? Who else knew? Who else had suggested these uh, scenarios of this so-called barter account covering extra costs? So lots of questions that statement didn't answer, to be honest. And but she's coming, out, um, she's coming out, she's coming out, she's not holding back on what she's saying. She's saying she, she made these decisions and these discussions took part between, say, for instance, herself and Ryan Tuberty's agent with other RTE senior executives. So she gives the impression in the statement that she's not going to go quietly and will not be thrown under a bus. Well, it does smack of that um, sentiment, all right, the statement when you read it. And she does say that she uh, was carrying out these negotiations with knowledge of the finance department and the legal department. Previously, we were told the finance department had no notion or knowledge of the barter account that wasn't under their control, even if they did have knowledge of it. So obviously, she is coming out and saying, listen, I'm not the only one here. I'm mea culpa. I'm at the top of the level of the pecking order. So I take the hit and it's, my, uh, it's on my watch it happens. So I'm going. But she is obviously implicating other people in the process, which we knew. She She's not a lone wolf. She wasn't operating on her own. We knew this was the case. And we know that other people and due process has to be given to them. But they should have questions and they should be giving those answers. That but, do, but do staff in RT want salaries, particularly those of contractors, capped? Yes, it's NUJ policy um, that we have asked since 2019 that salaries be capped at no higher than the highest civil servants. Um, and I think, for instance, you might say somebody in the, uh, the say like, likes of the Secretary General in the Taoiseach Department will be at around about 215, just shy of 216,000. Let's face it, RTE operates in a very hard-fought environment. We know the, the problems that it's facing. We know the tax or the licence fee does need... Uh, to be um, regenerated and restructured. And in the NUJ, we're saying, please don't let this stop that process continuing and don't let the staff and the company suffer because of the actions of some people who were operating outside their remit, basically, in some instances, by the look of it. But if if it were capped, you would see the likes then, say, for instance, of Joe Duffy or Ray Darcy or Claire Byrne having their salaries reduced overnight by over 150 to 160 grand 
Um, isn't the worry then that they will just go somewhere else? Where? You know, where are they going to go? Good point. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We are operating in a limited marketplace. This isn't the UK. This isn't ITV, BBC, massive money competing against each other where they have massive budgets to do so. Say like you might have seen like the BBC trying to court apparently Holly Willoughby, for instance, maybe uh, for strictly come dancing or red over the weekend. This isn't that kind of scenario. This isn't that kind of marketplace. Uh, I certainly know Virgin Media don't have the deep pockets that are going to be paying those kind of salaries if they want to jump ship. Um, I've always been of the opinion, and the NGA is of the opinion, that those kind of salaries, top scale, civil servants' salaries are perfectly acceptable for people at the higher end of the broadcasting um, kind of sphere who are bringing in, obviously, advertisers connected to their shows and programmes. But certainly, the money they're on at the moment is by far too high, and we've been saying that since 2019. But um, would you sum it up then as saying that, that staff are angry, let down, dismayed, disappointed, bewildered, all of the above? All of the above and more. They're hurt. Um, staff are hurt. Um, for instance, I was part of a... Uh, we had an issue with bogus self-employment contracts, which I fell under the remit of that uh, Evershed scope. Um, I know the staff in that, but like Deepak says in her statement this morning, she has suffered. I've had people text me, staff colleagues text me who were in the Evershed process, which was basically, you know, showing that we had bogus self-employment contracts and we had staff all along. My record went back nine years. Or team still haven't paid me my pension and holiday entitlements. <laughs> They paid the PRSI because it was a revenue uh, conscripted concept that they had to pay the PRSI back pay. But I had members of uh, the, the staff this morning contacting me saying, I suffered ill health during that process, Eversheds. I was off stress leave. I felt harassed by HR. And yet, where was my care and attention and well-being considered by the, the company at that stage? So no doubt, maybe D Forbes has suffered her well-being. But unfortunately... This has been brought about by them and their actions. Okay. How would Ryan Tuberty be feeling about all of this, do you think? And indeed, is there a way back for him? Uh, well, actually, at, at the NJ meeting on Friday, um, a colleague who works directly with Ryan did say and wanted to notice in our minutes that, you know, she did raise the point Ryan has been a good colleague and was a good a team member to work with. And I know Ryan personally. I've always liked Ryan. It's not about the personalities, though. It is about the actions of what these people are doing. Secondly, I would say the book stops probably with more the management and the, the, the culture that has infiltrated the company over the last while. And that's why the minister on Saturday um, needs to get to the bottom of that okay. debacle, but the culture within the company and how we can go about making that more open and transparent. And also we're calling for, say, for instance, the uh, internal communication around these decisions regarding the payments to Ryan to be made public as well. Okay, okay. The the one issue I see that people had with regards to Ryan Tuberty's involvement in this is that, I see the Mail on Sunday um, poll that they did, was that he didn't, when he had opportunities to correct the numbers himself, decided not to do so. Um, would you go along with that? He didn't, and he should have, and he admitted that in a second statement, that he should have acknowledged it and put his hand up and said, something's going on here, guys, that's not what I'm actually getting paid. Yeah. I think, yes, not just the the company's credibility, but Ryan's credibility to some extent, as Shane Ross was saying with you before 10 o'clock. Yeah. Yes, there has been impact on the credibility of all the parties involved in this matter. Uh, how we come back from it and how we proceed is another question, but obviously... My concern as an NUJ rep is the staff and saving those staff's livelihood. That company doesn't suffer financially going down the tracks so that they have to come back with the begging bowl and go, you know what, we need to make redundancies or something because we are so now out of kilter with 
our costs and income. So I think there's lots of problems that we could be um, opening up as well with this process. And we need to be very careful of protecting what is there at the moment. It is, at the end of the day, I think most of us are agreeing, it gets lots of things wrong, but it gets lots of things right. And most of us have pride to work for the company and we will continue. Those journalists in that newsroom today are continuing in particular, but across the board, cameras, staging, lighting, makeup, radio colleagues, everybody is continuing to do their job to the best of their abilities and try and make the most of their roles and functions in a very, very difficult situation and in a very upsetting situation for most of them, particularly those involved primarily closely, you know, who are the main players in this city. Okay, thank you so much for taking the call, Trevor Keegan at uh, RT, Chairman of the NUJRT sub-branch. My apologies for the quality of the phone line. Um, The published earnings for uh, Ryan Tuberty from 2017 to 2022 are actually six years uh, of inaccurate numbers. Uh, For instance, if you go back to 2017, they published 491,000. The actual earnings was 511. And it goes, it gets worse as the years go on. Um, 18 was 495 published. The actual earnings were four, were 545 in thousands, uh, all the way up to, uh, say, for instance, last year, where they published 440,000, and it turned out to be actually 515,000. Uh, those in the top 10 um, that I can see, say, for instance, if you look at uh, 2021, it would be uh, Ryan Tuberty, Ray Darcy, Joe Duffy, uh, Sean O'Rourke, uh, Miriam O'Callaghan, Claire Byrne, Brendan O'Connor, Brian Dobson, Mary Wilson, Darren Maloney, Anya Lawler and George Lee. Uh, at one stage uh, featuring in there as well would have been the late uh, Marion Fanukin, but the last published number for Marion was uh, 2019. Quite an amount of texts on this um, and thank you for them. Text 0868 104 106 if I was to give you an idea of the flavour of them this morning. As these things unfold it looks like now it should be a job for CAB the Criminal Assets Bureau. Are the British going to investigate RTE for fraud for using their tax system? Don't know that it used their tax system. I mean, I find that bizarre that RTE would suggest uh, to um, uh, Ryan Tuberty's agent to use a UK company and send a UK invoice. Uh, that's very sinister. RT are a bit like our government, answerable to no one for their actions. Give us a break. What happens uh, there will make no difference to you, me or anyone else. It's very simple. If people don't like what's happening, don't pay the television licence. I haven't got one, but the majority of people will pay for one, says John. They will, and I suppose that a lot of those that do, don't pay because they feel they get value for money. Now, some probably do. But those do because they have a legal, um, there's a legal aspect to it if you don't, in the sense you'll be prosecuted. The usual farce of everyone running for cover as questioning of those involved is only if they want to answer, you're saying? Yes, they're not obliged to, they're not compelled to. Um, This thing will not be sorted in 12 months, perhaps ever. It's farcical. Neil, there are 769,000 plus OAPs whose TV licence is paid by the taxpayer. Uh, no choice but to pay. Uh, yeah, uh, just automatically goes to the coffers. The problem with Ireland is that uh, the more it changes, the more it stays the same. It's no longer a nice place to live, says Paddy. You have the politicians jumping on RTE, but the politicians who are pointing the finger are brilliant at the art of deception themselves down through the years. Absolutely. The question to ask other RTE stars is not if they had a barter account with a commercial partner, But are the salaries published the salaries they were actually paid, says Paddy? I think the vast majority of them, I read somewhere at the weekend about it, said that they never had any kind of secret deals with anyone. Uh, Who would fancy being a television license inspector knocking on doors now? 
Um, somebody else says, Ray Darcy's getting over 300 grand. grand. Surely that's a crime in itself. Uh, this is nothing worse than a cover-up. Uh, they'll be like Bertie. Uh, it's called Neck. I've not looked at the Late Late Show for years. The reason was the fantastic guests will be overshadowed by focusing on promoting Renault. Um, you're saying, who, who'll be like Bertie? You're talking about Ryan Tubbery will come back like Bertie came back. Is it a case that the Irish broadcasters who are defending Tubbery, like yourself, Neil, are clients of Tubbery's agent as well, says Paddy? No, I have no agent. Never did, never will. No, not in that league at all. Um, you know, We paddle our own canoe, I can tell you that. I don't, I don't know that I, I would say that I'm defending anyone in particular. I feel to a certain extent, sorry for the guy. He must be suffering and he must be struggling something awful in his family as well. It must be a very dark time for him at the moment, particularly when he has come out and acknowledged that he should have, over the years, corrected the published numbers. And for that, he is regretful and apologises for. Uh, I think that, um, you know, uh, like where, where I really are critical are, uh, is of, of RTE for a, lot of, for a lot of different reasons. I mean, you got this 50 million euro bung to advertising agencies. Is that not an abuse of their dominant uh, position? I mean, commercial radio or commercial television, the likes of Virgin, could never do that. They could never have a fund of 50 million where they could give back to advertising agencies just to get more advertising so the agencies would send them more clients and ads. And, you know, and the side deals with advertisers then, this is a side deal uh, that would pay a broadcaster 75 grand. And then the company involved in the side deal would get 75 grand by way of credit notes for free ads. I mean, like, that, that's not a level commercial playing pitch. Like, RTE can say that they're a public sector broadcaster, but only when they want to say they're a public sector broadcaster. They also come out and say that they have to be commercially viable as well. So what are they? Are they a commercial beast? Are they a public sector broadcaster? Well, they're actually both. And the funding of RTE by both advertising and the licence fee, plus state financial intervention, is absolutely insane. You take the likes of this radio station or the other across the hill um, or any other radio station across Ireland and indeed Virgin, it's a completely unfair licence fee um, issue because, you know, um, never mind the fact that you, you as a listener would get prosecuted for not having that television licence fee. And on top of that then, you've got RTE straying into all sorts of other areas like commercial venues. Like, what's this GAA go about? If they're a public sector broadcaster, they should be showing hurling and football matches. They should, like, rather than coming up with this fantastic cash cow where they actually get people to pay to watch hurling and football. I mean, surely this central tenant of being a public sector broadcaster is to show the national sports. And then I heard somewhere rightly at the weekend that after COVID and everything that came along with COVID, those involved in theatrics and theatrical companies, or even those involved in pantomime, right, who are waiting to get back into panto and were building up and bringing on staff and practicing and rehearsing and building sets and going into theatres. Along comes uh, the late, late toy show, the musical, a complete and utter dog's dinner of a thing. And it drove a coach and horses through all of the other pantomimes, particularly across Dublin, because this massive machine called RTE comes in and decides to do their own. That should never have been allowed. They should have stayed out of that remit 100%. So there's that and lots more besides. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. And back to the phone lines we go, this time to uh, WhatsApp. Uh, Nathan, good morning. Good morning. Your thoughts on all of this. Incidentally, do you... I have a television license. Uh, do you? No. Okay. And the reasons behind that? 
Uh, I don't really see the point of paying for it because like you'd pay for it and then you could watch a, a repeat of a show that was on 10 years ago. Yeah, repeats. Yeah, not value for money. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah the issue for many people who pay it is uh, once you pay it once, you have to keep on paying it or you get knocks on the door and they do knock on the door uh, of those that you know are slow to renew it and the chance then, of course, is that you end up going to court or indeed jail. What do you think of that? I think that's crazy because like you go if you go if you end up doing time in jail you're in there and you're still watching TV like so it doesn't make sense yeah yeah but you've never had anybody come hounding you for the license fee no no you've never no. ever paid it um when other people know in the past no when I was living under my man's roof yes. they would have covered and stuff like that yeah yeah, yeah. the homeowner would have yeah okay yeah so we get prison time for not paying our television license. Um, but uh, what what point are you making with regards to that? It says we get prison time for, for not for not paying our television license. We still watch it. Uh, you don't pay it yourself because of repeats. Yeah, I don't. I like, and as well on top of that, they they get paid so much money as well. So it's like we pay that, and then that's going in their back pockets at the end of the day. Okay, do you think this gives people a more reason not to pay it then after this? Exactly. For me, Ryan Tuberty knew, I find, in my opinion, he knew about what was, that he knew himself he was getting paid these substantial amount of money, and he decided not to say anything. Like, if your employer was paying you huge money out of the blue, would you say something? I want to make sure that it was all legal and above board, I suppose, and that everything, all ducks were in a row, I guess. Yeah, exactly. It was like, I don't know, but like, it kind of like, no, art. I think from my opinion, though, as well, if once art started to publish how much money every presenter was earning, that was time to abolish the TV license. Why? Because they, they earn a lot, a lot of money as well, like, so... That was my opinion. But it's the TV licence pays that money, you see. That's the thing. I know. Sure, most, and it's like it's stayed on as well, so they get an awful lot of money off them as well. And the commercial sector as well, advertising. Thanks for that. Let me talk to Ross. To Ross. Thank you, Nathan. Have a good day. Ross, good morning. Neil, good morning. How have are you, you ever, I asked the same question to Nathan, have you ever paid the television licence? Uh, certainly not yet, but um, I am quite young. I'm in my young twenty, uh, early twenties. Okay, so but do you have uh, do you have your own television? Two of them. All right, and you don't even need a television. You also have to pay it if you have a laptop. So you're not paying it presently. No, no, certainly not. Certainly oh. not. And um, I mean, like, I, I do, I do have my reason. It's not just kind of like, oh, I'm not going to pay this because you know why should I not pay this? But if you consider this, right? So, like. Obviously, I work somewhere, right, and um, my employer generates profits, which they, they pay their staff with, right? So they pay corporate tax on the profits they make. It's how they pay up. They pay the PRSA tax to pay me, and I pay tax when I get paid. I pay tax for my car, uh, for the road tax, and I pay tax on the diesel, which I fill it with, which is up like 56% or something ludicrous like that. Yeah. Um, the petrol station on the pennies they make off, you know, every litre of fuel they sell, they, they pay profits, uh, profit tax on that as well. I have to pay for my insurance for my car, which also has a tax, and the broker pays the tax on the profits they make. Okay, you're, you do. So, so you're paying a lot of tax. Yeah, so I drove out to, uh, you know, Harvey Norman in the car that all that tax is paid for. 
and um, I bought the TV. Of course, there's VAT on buying the TV. And then the salesperson who was very helpful educating me about everything, they, you know, get paid. They pay tax on that, Harvey Norman, pay tax to pay them, etc., etc. It keeps going on and on, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, right? Right. So I don't have, like, a satellite dish or any TV services. Like, I don't watch stations. We've moved into the kind of subscription era now. So, you know, Netflix, um, Amazon, Apple, all those kind of things, right? But we pay stupid amounts of money for that every month to have everything at the thing. Okay, you've got but entertainment subscriptions, yes, okay, yeah, yeah. And we pay tax on, um, you know, on those subscriptions. So, you know, why should I spend an extra 160 euros a year? It's like, it's a real slap on the face for, like, I consider myself like a hard-working um, middle-income earner. Yeah. And, like, we already have enough going on lately, so there's just... Just to say, that's one of the reasons why it's no longer actually known as a television license. It's now known as an entertainment license or something along those lines. That regardless of what you watch, there is a tax on it. They, you know, whether it's, whether it's um, Netflix or RTE, whether it's Netflix or Virgin, or who don't get the license fee, or even the BBC. Um, and even if you watch it on a laptop, uh, or even if it's YouTube, um, that is covered in the license fee, which ultimately then goes to RTE. And all of those companies, you know, would have, uh, you know, some kind of a large presence in, in Ireland for also for tax reasons. So, you know, all the profits and everything are running through this country and getting taxed on as well. So, like, they're already getting enough out of all these services. And therefore, you know, we're paying for them, so we're bankrolling that as well. So why, why the extra charge, you know? Like a lot of other countries, they build it into... Um, into like people's normal income taxes in, in a way that you don't really even notice it and there's just no way to dispute it. Now, I'm not uh, advocating for that because I would end up paying for it one way or another, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's too much. It's too much. Do you believe that people shouldn't pay it then? Look, I'm not here to offer legal advice or anything to anyone. I think um, people do pay it out of, out of a fear and things, but like, to be honest, there's a lot of folks who haven't got, uh, you know, roped into the system as of yet. And like, I mean, like you were saying on Friday, once you're in it, you're, you're in it. Like That's it. Yeah. Once you pay it once, you're always there. You're then trackable. Yeah. You're then trackable. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. If yeah. There's no record for you and they can't access, you know, information uh, through on plus, uh, you know, about certain addresses and stuff. They, they don't, they don't know my name. I get the letters sometimes. They, they don't know who lives here okay. because they can't take the information from on plus. That would be illegal. So, and I and I won't and I won't pass on your or anybody else's private details either. So don't worry about that. Thanks, Ross. I hope not. Anyway. Take care. Thanks Cheers. So the recent Cheers. payments and financial irregularity scandal at RTE has made a lot of people stop and think about the credibility of the Irish state broadcaster. Former recently resigned Director General D Forbes' explanation about extraordinary payments to Ryan Tuberty comes late in the day. And it does not explain the falsified accounts at RTE because that's all you can call them. It also seems like RTE were trying to satisfy Ryan Tuberty's lust for money rather than saving money. Then we hear of a barter account. The long-standing information officer at RTE recently stated on radio that he never heard of barter accounts. Even Ms. Forbes goes on in her statement to say, I have no knowledge of those payments and the board has not raised those questions with me. Um, so can I just stop the email here because you're confusing two different things here. She does know about uh, the deals that were done privately. She does um, with regards to 
the Renault, Renault deal. What she's saying she doesn't know about is um, the inaccuracies in the reporting of Ryan Tuberty's salary in 2017, 18 and 19. They were published inaccurately and had nothing to do with any kind of barter payment from a commercial entity. Uh, but anyway, the texter says, who authorised these payments? The whole truth is not coming out. The question is whether Ms Forbes will appear before the committee and answer all the questions TDs have to ask her and answer these questions without scripted replies. We also have the right to know who the commercial partner is and if the payments were upfront, why RTE hid them in inaccurately published accounts? Then we have RTE giving out credit notes to broadcasters at the taxpayers' expense, according to Ms Forbes. RTE are not necessarily authorised to guarantee breaches of contract with third parties. Yeah, that's an excellent point, um, although they said they were contractually obliged when the uh, sponsor pulled out. The statements by Ms Forbes need to be documented. Uh, why should they be accepted on the face of it, given the concern now being expressed by many people of the possibility of high levels of corruption within the state broadcaster? Many people also do not want Ryan Tuberty back. Uh, RT looks more like a bank than a broadcaster, which is flush with money and far removed from public services or anything as grand as that. It's also time that we examine the power and influence commercial sponsors have over RTE and whether the licence fee is no longer required because of their commercial activity. D Forbes has resigned and removed any further responsibility she has in leaving behind a carefully scripted statement uh, which should be taken with a pinch of salt until verified and documented. I know this is a long text. I hope you get an opportunity to read it out. Thank you for it. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Okay. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. Um, just uh, as a by the way, with regards to the Ibal report on litter and uh, Mahan having its problems, but the north side of Cork City continues to have serious problems, as in seriously littered. Somebody says, um, doesn't surprise me, around the Shandon area is filthy. Just look up around the clocks. It's beyond belief. I can only imagine what tourists say. Uh, I'm not so sure that um, it is actually much of a tourist attraction up around there, unfortunately. And that's very sad because you've got a fabulous uh, Firkin Crane there and you've got the wonderful uh, Butter Museum that's up there as well. But unfortunately, around it, boy, does it ever need some... TLC. So thank you for those. Yes, I also want to acknowledge, yeah, thank you. Somebody got in touch to say that Claire Byrne uh, gave out her uh, salary on air this morning um, and uh, she's taken a drop actually, a significant drop in her earnings because uh, she gave up the Monday Night Television show so uh, her figure would have dropped back to €280,000 for this year. That's a drop of 70 grand since she gave up the Monday Night Television show uh, and she says that she hasn't taken any commercial payments like those with regards to this barter account at the centre of the Tuberty contra- controversy, she says, I felt for me it was the right thing to do this morning. She says the €350,000 figure published in re- regards to her salary in recent years was accurate, but it has dropped back from 350000 back to 280000 because she gave up the Monday night television show. Um, interesting that within RTE they believe that there should be nobody on these kind of numbers and that uh, all presenter salaries should be capped at €208,000. Anyway, keep those texts coming. Text 086-8104-106. I see a lot actually happening as well on Facebook because we were asking the questions whether or not the TV licence is now dead in the water after the secret payments were revealed. 
We were asking the question as to whether people would be renewing their licence or not. So I will come back to that and a lot more besides throughout the course of the morning. But certainly things will change. And perhaps the licence fee should be abolished. Maybe RT should survive solely on just its advertising. Uh, full stop. Um, many people are suggesting that those top 10 fees are too high anyway in the first place. Um, and many other questioning as to who else actually knew all about this. So all that and lots more besides. Text 0868 104 106. Everybody else then has to get on with their own lives uh, and try and fund their own lifestyle uh, and their own household on the money that they're paid. But you see all sorts of different inequities in Irish society, uh, particularly with regards to people who may be going through uh, sickness or ill health. Like I was reading recently that you can postpone paternity leave. For example, um, just as an example, you can postpone paternity leave if the birth is later than expected or if there's a delay in the... Actually, I, I won't even go through that. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll come at it from a different angle and introduce Erica instead. Erica, good morning. Hi, good morning. The, How are I, you? I, I was curious as to this disparity that exists between paternity leave, maternity leave, regarding somebody that was sadly uh, going through a cancer diagnosis. Is that right? Yes, yeah. So unfortunately, I have direct experience of this issue. And we soon became aware that I would not get illness leave um, while I was going through cancer treatment. I would have to take my maternity leave at that time and use that entire window of treatment, um, that entire window of leave to go through cancer treatment. So chemo, radiation, surgeries, whereas if it had have happened to my husband, he could defer his. And so we're currently fighting that piece of legislation to, to make that change. That's why I heard the campaign Leave Our Leave. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You so gave birth we, to your first child in 2019. Under what kind of circumstances? Uh, really, really difficult. Yeah, so I would have been diagnosed approximately seven months into my pregnancy. Um, so what's normally a really, really exciting time became wrought with kind of frustration and difficulty. I had to have surgery while I was heavily pregnant and I had to start chemotherapy when she was just three weeks old. And um, so I spent that entire window of my mat leave getting treatment, being very unwell. Fighting breast cancer. Fighting breast cancer, yeah, advanced breast cancer. Um, and really not having the time with her that I thought I would have because I needed to be in hospital a lot or I was just way too weak from treatment to do the normal things that you right. expect to do. So while, while you were doing that and going through all of the chemo and all of the associated issues regarding the cancer, your maternity leave was ticking away. Absolutely. Yeah, ticking away as if nothing was going on in the background. That seems very cruel. It does seem cruel, and we're just bringing the issue to light now. Really, We launched our campaign in earnest um, almost a year ago to the day. Um, we essentially relaunched it again outside the doll last Thursday. Um, we addressed TDs within Leinster House. Um, we've made some multimedia videos and stuff like that to really help politicians understand what the reality of this your, is like. Yeah, your, your situation was so critical, if you like, that um, the birth of your daughter was brought forward a few weeks so that you could yep. start your chemo faster. That's right. Yeah, she My had God. to be induced um, three weeks early. And yeah. even as yeah. even as part of um, the 
can- the cancer diagnosis resulted then in a mastectomy uh, at 33 weeks pregnant. That's right, yeah. yeah. Erica, so, Erica, that's yeah. awful. <laughs> and unfortunately, I'm not alone. It happens to 60 women like me every year in Ireland. And that's what's really frustrating, that we haven't been able to change this legislation so far, especially in the aftermath of last Thursday. I've had lots more women contact me to say, you know, I'm in this situation right now. I'm currently living it. You know, is it looking like it's going to change anytime soon? So it's really, really difficult. I know. But in your own story, you must have been an emotional wreck for all of that pregnancy. Um, yeah, I think you don't really have a choice at the time. You know, you just have to get through it. You're, you're looking at everything day on day. Um, you know, it's it's really, really hard. You're trying to just keep your head above water and just make sure you're going to be okay um, and to hopefully see your little baby grow up because, you know, when you're being diagnosed, it takes a while to do all the scans. You can't do them when you're pregnant. So I didn't find out for a few months in that I was actually stage three and, and not stage four, that it hadn't spread further. Yeah, um, yeah. but there was so all of those worrying times when you just yeah, weren't oh, sure. Yeah. Like there would, have been no, there would have been no pregnancy enjoyment, would there? Not at the very end, no. It kind of it fell off a cliff, I guess, on diagnosis day. Yeah, it just became a really worrying time instead of a really exciting time. So added to that then, I don't mean to overly probe, but was it going through your mind, yeah. if, it, if this gets worse or if the chemo isn't successful, I will give birth to my daughter, but potentially won't be around to rear her? That was, that was actually on the cards, yeah. So I was diagnosed in the September and I didn't find out until... Christmas Eve that year that I was going to definitely survive and be okay once I got through treatment um, so yeah it was you know the biggest worry you can possibly have that you're not going to see your newborn baby actually grow up. I know, I know, um, I know. So directly after the birth of Rosie I think she was only like three weeks old, you started chemotherapy Yeah so I literally was MIA for a lot of it you know anyone who's gone through chemo understands how grueling it is let alone doing that when you're trying to heal after labour as well so it's really hard to even articulate and explain how difficult the process is Um, and so when it came to the point where I got the letter in the door at the end of my maternity leave to say from the the department "You're, you're now finished maternity leave I was literally one week finished chemotherapy and radiation when I got that letter like I can't even describe how unwell I was at that point and the um, length and the length know. that would be available on maternity leave what is that so it's 26 weeks and um, paid leave and then you can also avail of 16 weeks additional leave um, I had to revert to sick leave at the end of my maternity leave because I still had a lot of surgeries to do yeah. as well yeah um, and so I also lost the 16 weeks additional leave and how did how did you cope with regards to those first forty weeks um, with rearing Roisin, you or you, with sorry Rosie? We must we must have Rosha. a lot of sorry. My apologies. What is what is the correct pronunciation? Rosha. 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 Was there a lot of help then for that period for you? There really was. We were blessed with really good family and friends in the initial in the initial stages, but then of course COVID struck that March. Um, which resulted in my husband having to take care of leave and um, so he could take care of both me and our daughter. 
Um, so yeah, it was, it was we had amazing support at the start, but unfortunately, due to COVID, we we had to really isolate ourselves. Oh, it was a tough time, an exhausting time. Thankfully, thankfully yeah. you got through it. And how does how does maternity and paternity differ in this regard? Yeah, so maternity leave legislation was changed back in 2004. It was the last time there were any serious amendments made to it. And the Paternity Leave Act was revised in 2016. And then that's when a lot of the changes came in with the ability to defer. So, you know, I don't think anybody in government has any malice towards, you know, people in my situation, but they need to really amend it and look at it sooner and bring it, bring it in line and to take out that inequity. But how is it? Um, how is it unequal? Well, it's unequal because if you're a man and you become sick during your paternity leave, you can defer. You can revert back to being on sickness leave, and then you can take your paternity leave when you're better. So there's also another inequity that if my daughter had been sick, there's a mechanism to postpone or defer your maternity your maternity leave if your daughter is hospitalised. But we have zero mechanism currently in place for if the mother herself is actually ill. Asha, surely that would be an easy door to push open and have changed because it's glaringly it unfair. It is. And we were hoping when we launched this time last year that it would be fixed relatively immediately. You know, but here we are a year on. It's happened to another 60 women and it continues happening to one more woman every week without that change being in place. And would a lot of those cases be serious cancer diagnosis for a pregnant woman? Yeah, yeah, these are all cancer diagnosed in pregnancy. So they're the the stats that I'm quoting. Yeah. It happens to one in every thousand births in Ireland, which works out at 60 women a year. So it's it's specific to pregnancy and cancer. we are talking about cancer, cancer in all of these cases. And the rest of in Europe of then, where, 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 where sadly and alarmingly a pregnant woman would find that she is pregnant um, with cancer, um, what, what happens in other countries? Do they pause the maternity? Um, so they have better laws in Scandinavia. Unfortunately, Europe doesn't really have good legislation in this regard. The UK is the same as us. They actually hope to follow in our footsteps, in our footsteps, which is nice for a change. Um, and you know, when we get this legislation through, which will happen, and hopefully soon, they hope to be able to bring in the same amendments in the UK. But we're we're just not on a good footing across Europe, really, with the exception of Scandinavian countries. And are there ways that the public can help to move this along? Yeah, I think you know we've we've shared a lot of video content and posts on social media over the last few days. So sharing those, raising awareness, and also if, if as many individuals as possible could get in touch with their local TDs, councillors, political representatives to really just drive this issue on, that would be really beneficial to the campaign. So if, if dad gets unwell during paternity, it gets paused. Yeah. If the child mm-hmm. gets unwell or is hospitalised, maternity leave is paused. But if the mother, say for instance in your case and many other Irish women, gets cancer, the maternity clock keeps ticking. Yes, that's it. That is the the hard reality that I didn't even think could possibly be the case when I was diagnosed. But unfortunately, yeah, that's the situation we're in. Well, look, hopefully sooner rather than later, that will be reversed or indeed corrected. The Leave Our Leave campaign probably has what? A Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, things like that? Yeah. 
if you go to the Irish Cancer Society's webpage, all their social media, it's front and foremost on their campaigns at the moment. We're including it in the pre-budgetary submission this year. So there's a lot of content online. Yeah, so please share, share, share. And thank you so much for the opportunity. Not at all. Listen, don't worry about that. Thank you so much for sharing your own story. Look after yourself. Stay in touch, Erica. Thank Thank you. you. I will do. Thank you Okay, for the details at www.cancer.ie forward slash leave our leave. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 Red FM. All right, just jumping in because we are playing 30 seconds again, guys. Your opportunity to get on the air. I ask the, uh, well, I give the hints and you need to give the answers. You know how 30 seconds works, don't you? Right across this week, in association with the Furniture Centre on the Watercourse Road, we have 400 euro vouchers to give away every single day. I'll give you your qualifying question in about 20 minutes' time or so. That'll get you on the air. We will have two successful callers on air who will play 30 seconds. Um, I'll be given the hints and you need to come up with the answers. Hopefully I won't let you down. You've got to do as much as you can within 30 seconds. And for that you will win a €400 voucher for the Furniture Centre at the Watercourse Road in Blackpool. Family-run business, over 40 years, custom-made Irish sofas and mattresses, immediate delivery, handcraft Italian and Spanish-made sofas and everything, and free delivery. And what I love is free assembly. They'll put it together for you and indeed free removal of your old furniture as well. Further details at thefurnishercentre.ie. So that's all between now and midday. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show. Red FM. Lots and lots and lots of texts regarding the carry-on within RTE. And a lot of it is centred, I see. It's amazing how, how stories kind of develop on their own. A lot of it is now centering around as to whether people should pay the television license fee or the entertainment tax, call it what you will. So I will come back to all of those between now and midday. I just want to come back and tell you another life story or share another life story with you with regards to, uh, you know, what we chatted about um, for maternity leave um, and women who would go through maternity while also going through uh, cancer treatment. Emma, good morning. Hi, how are you? Um, How are you more to the point? I'm all good, yeah. Okay. Uh, life is back to normal now, I must say. So, um, yeah, all good. But if we wind back to January 2021, how are you then? <laughs> Not great. Um, so I was uh, diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma when I was 20 weeks pregnant with my son, Rory, who's two now. On top of that, I believe you had um, pretty severe morning sickness. Is that right? Yeah, it, it actually wasn't so bad. I had had really bad um, hyperemesis when I was pregnant with my daughter. So actually, Grace. in comparison, my pregnancy with Rory, I felt a lot better at the start, which is crazy. So with regards to Rory then and carrying Rory, were you going through some serious treatment? Um, so I, I was diagnosed when I was 20 weeks and it was decided I would wait Um until he was delivered to start my treatment. So for that period of time, um, I wasn't on any treatment. I was just having scans every couple of weeks to kind of see how everything was progressing um, in terms of like spread and stuff. Um, and so we managed to make it to 36 weeks um, with Rory. And at that point then, and he came along and I started my treatment then two weeks later. I can only, I can't even imagine 
the kind of worry or trauma that you would be going through um, yeah, yeah, carrying was, a baby at the same time. It's it's so weird, isn't it? Like to to imagine that your body is able to to do that to have a perfectly normal pregnancy alongside a cancer diagnosis. It it really was. Um, yeah, it was it was extremely confusing to say the least. And among other things, were were you constantly wondering about what the future would hold while while carrying the pregnancy? Yeah, absolutely. That was um, constantly on our mind. Was he actually going to arrive safely? Um, and what what was life going to look like um, after that point? You know, I think nobody knows what to expect going into chemotherapy, how you're going to react to it, what the realities of it is, never mind with a small baby in the house as well. And was there was there talk about an early delivery then at some stage? Yeah, so um, we were kind of just playing it by ear, I suppose, as we went along. Um, the hope was I could make it to 29 weeks. Yes. Um, and then once we got there, you know, I had another scan and, you know, there wasn't too much of a spread, so we decided we could wait a little bit longer and then things just started to escalate towards the end. So we made it to 36 weeks, which was, um, you know, it was great. Um, Rory was still um, probably not ready to be born, really. So he spent the first two weeks um, in the special care unit here in UCHC. So we were kind of dealing with a baby in NICU and, um, you know, facing into starting treatment as well so what you know what what did that treatment for you involve so I had chemotherapy for six months um I was on a two-week cycle so um I would go in every two weeks and have my chemo and so that that treatment ran for the duration of my maternity leave I had my last chemo session two days after my maternity leave ended as again, like earlier on this morning, your maternity leave clock continued to tick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Very cruel, that, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it certainly wasn't like a maternity leave. You're not doing all the normal things you'll be doing. And, and maternity leave is the hardest you will ever work. I know that from, from being on that leave with my daughter. Um, but this was, you know, I didn't get to do any of the normal stuff with him. You know, and even, um, you know, his sleep and sleep routine and stuff like that, I was kind of, th- that just was impossible for me to, to do at the time. Surely, surely somebody going through this, and unfortunately there are others like you, should get, it should, firstly it should be paused, right? And then when it kicks back in, it should be 40 paid weeks. Well, yeah, it's, look, the, it, the framework for this is already there in that, you know, it's written into the Paternity Act. So a, a man can do it. Um, if a man was to go through treatment, he could defer his paternity leave. So it, it should be so for women as well. Is this um, a glare? Because when you say that, it sounds so obvious to me. Is it just a glaring oversight that paternity would be put ahead of the posse when it comes to maternity and the mother having cancer? Think about it like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So... 
you know, we launched the Leave Our Leave campaign with the Irish Cancer Society a year ago. Um, and at that time, we met at Leinster House and it was very much like, oh, this is an oversight. It's not a malicious thing. Um, the Paternity Act is a lot more modern than the Maternity Act, you know. Um, yeah, that so could be a reason. Time, yeah. yeah, that's what, you know, that's, that was the reason we were given and it will change and everything. Um, and, you know, unfortunately we had to go back again this year because it hasn't changed. And even though it is a small amendment, um, and like we said, the framework is there in the Paternity Act, so it shouldn't be a huge lift no, to get it. No, and it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be. And it shouldn't be anything that anybody would have an issue with putting right. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's it. Nobody. We've had loads of support, uh, but it's actually getting rid of action behind that those words of support yeah, you know yeah. um, it's happening to a woman every week is being diagnosed with cancer while pregnant um, you know this week from this week I've heard from two women who are currently you know in going through treatment so it's you know, and it's not easy for myself and Erica to you don't have to go back we've moved on you know um, to tap back into this well, you're fighting, you're fighting the good fight for others. I mean, Erica was saying that um, her daughter was only three weeks old when she started chemo. In your case, when Emma was, uh, sorry, when your daughter uh, was, was born, um, you were one week later you started chemo, wasn't it? No, so um, I was, he, I was three weeks as well. So Rory Three was weeks. Rory, I'm sorry. Grace, Grace was yeah, your first. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I was three weeks as well, but it was a week after he came home from, from the hospital Leo. that I started. Yeah, so we yeah. had that week of kind of normal life until it kicked off for us. God almighty, just think about that. Like you should have a, a new baby coming home to all of the joys of all of that. But yet mum is yeah. heading off for chemo for six months. Oh my God. Yeah, it was it was strange. And like there was good, you know, I, I feel lucky that we we had the distraction of, of Rory in the house. You know, he was just a great little yeah. bit of joy in that during that time. And, you know, you, you must have been exhausted, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We were really lucky. My parents moved in with us for the for the duration of my treatment and so they kind of did all the heavy lifting which That's was it. I mean we were so lucky the end of the um, day yeah it's all about family at the end of the, how are you now and how was all the treatment yeah I'm I'm grand now yeah totally in remission and life is very much normal Rory is two now and you know it, all my problems are to the same problems that a regular mother yeah. of a two-year-old would be. <laughs> you welcome those problems instead. Oh, absolutely. I know, yeah, yeah I know, I know. Listen, thank you also for so, so kind to share your own story. You look back at those yeah, difficult days and hopefully there'll be an announcement made soon to correct that legislation, right? Because it needs to yeah. be. Yeah. yeah, yeah, hopefully. All right. Thanks, Emma. Mind yourself and uh, and the kids Thanks as well. So Cheers. Take care. Bye. Text 0868 Pick up the phone on 0818 And so, um, to quite an amount of texts on different topics, RTE is an arm of the government. They're on about wages there since 2019. Or 2009, my apologies. It really is just milking the system for all it's worth. I often wonder what all the money that goes to TG Cahar is actually used for. It's mainly repeat programmes on that channel. A report in the Times in 2019 says that RTE gave TG Cahar 104 million euro to run for the year at the time in 2019. 
says Catherine, who believes that's an, an astronomical amount of money. If people stop paying their television licence, the revenue will go in quietly and take it from your wages, like they do with property tax. Uh, just, I have a TV, I pay my television licence fee annually and will continue to do so. Just because RTE does something wrong doesn't all of a sudden give people the right to say, I'm no longer paying my licence. But here's the piece that baffles me, says Pat. We have Sky and we have had it for as long as I can remember. The only thing I really watch on RTE is the news. Why doesn't the money we pay for Sky actually go towards our TV licence fee in Ireland? After all, they tell us we are paying our licence fee for the use of the airwaves. Why are RTE pushing for every house in the country to pay a licence fee, even if you have a mobile phone or anything with a screen like a laptop? Two wrongs don't make a right. RTE have a way of telling who is actually watching their programmes. If I'm a Sky customer and ask Sky to remove all RTE programs from my subscription, am I still liable for the license fee? Yes. Why should I pay for people, pay people for something that I don't actually use? I'm saying I know some people who would never watch RTE. I'm not one of them, so I'm happy enough to pay, even though I just watch news. Another one here. Let's not compare the top 10 people who are being paid by RTE as staff because they are not staff. There are people who are contracted to do work in RTE, unlike the staff who are paid a monthly salary and are in full pensionable jobs. Well, that's a very interesting point, because if you are a contractor, you're not a staff member. You don't have any security of a job when the contract period is up. You're gone, which which is the case with me. It's always been with me for as long as I can remember. Um, you go from contract to contract, so you're never 100% sure how long you're going to be in a gig, and you certainly have no pensional contributions. Uh, why should I pay for a television licence? I don't watch RTE or any normal television. I'm already paying for Netflix, Prime and Disney. I have nothing to do with RTE. Keep those texts coming. Nobody ever went to jail, Neil, for not paying a licence. You go to jail for not paying a court-imposed fine. You're technically right there. But you go to jail for not paying a court-imposed fine for not paying a television licence. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. All right, back to the phone lines. Laura, good morning. Morning. I don't know if you were listening last week. Perhaps you were. I was telling people of another scam where a young girl was buying tickets for her sister as a present for Codaline, and that turned out to be a scam. Money was taken, no tickets. What happened with regards to the Florence and Machine tickets? Um, so I was on Twitter, and they have the hashtag Ticket Fairy, where people swap and buy tickets. So, um. I messaged this girl. It said that she was an Irish teacher and a PE teacher. Um, so I don't know if her account was taken over by a scammer or what happened, but um, I just messaged her saying, are you selling the tickets? I see it here. It she- says, I'm selling uh, my tickets for Florence and the Machine, stuff like that, and they give you the price of it. Isn't that kind of typical example? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So she was selling them for €60 Euro each, and I needed three for myself, my mom, and my sister. And then... I just said, will you take Revolut? She said, yeah. Um, Can I have your email to send on the tickets? So I sent her my email and then she sent me her Revolut name and I sent the money. And then she said, hold on. Um, Can you please take four tickets because I can't send three because she had four in the account. And then I tried to explain to her how she could do the three and 
she said that wasn't working. So I said, if you want to send me the four, I'll send you one back as I'm already after sending you the money. Um, and then she sent me a screenshot of the tickets, but with the barcode blocked out oh, to prove that she had four. And then I said, I don't need four. So if you want to send it back or send me back the four, I'll send you one back. And then she just stopped messaging me really after that. And then in the end blocked me. And what kind of a what kind of a name or details do they give? I, I I'm looking at um the the site that you're talking about here. Um what's it called? The Ticket Fairy, isn't it? Uh yeah, it yeah. was on Twitter, so the yeah, see, Ticket Fairy. See I, I see I see an ad here for Florence and the Machine tickets for tonight in Musgrave Park. Well, I can transfer them via Ticketmaster. Three different times that post goes up. It's identical every time, but it has three different people's names, which leads to me to believe that there are people up there setting up multiple scams. Yeah, that definitely could be happening. It's the same wording in every single way. Send yeah. a DM if interested, blah, 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 blah. Can transfer, selling three, selling three, selling three. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what, what's going on, to be honest. Is it normally um, it known as a, is, is it normally known as a, a, a reputable portal to buy tickets? Yeah, I've bought tickets off of before and you can sw- swap tickets and I've never had any issues yeah. as long as you obviously do, do, check but, out the profile. But Twitter don't have any kind of uh, warning or they don't tell people be careful or you could get scammed. They they don't monitor any of this. It's just a license to rip people off. P- possibly, yeah. I'm not aware of anything that they're they're trying to prevent scamming or anything. But it could be there. And do you have to send the money by Revolut before they send you the the ticket with the barcode? Yeah, like they obviously, they wouldn't be giving you the tickets unless you've paid for them. So I suppose it is just a trust game that these, this person isn't going to scam you. Um, so the, t- the ticket fairy is all based on trust? I Yeah, as far as I'm aware. But I've used it before and nothing has ever happened. So I suppose it was just this unlucky time. You put your trust in someone and then they... Abuse that, I suppose. And they block you. Yeah. And then basically. there is literally no more you can do. You can't unrevolute uh, the money. No, well, I've gotten on to, I've obviously reported them on Twitter, and then you can file a report on Revolut, and they'll investigate it. And then if they think that you're legible for like a refund, they'll try and get that back for you then. Um, so I have it like a ticket raised on. Revolute, and then within 21 days, they said that they'll try and have the money back. So, doesn't it mean that is because this ticket ferry is international, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, does it mean you could have an individual who's just sitting down doing this all day, every day for gigs all over the world? Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever think of how much money they could be robbing from people? Absolutely, that's why I wanted to come on and just make people aware. And also, I wanted to make the girl aware if her photos are being used by some scammer. Like maybe her profile was hacked or something and they're still using her identity. Oh, so there's a second string to this in the sense that somebody's... It could be, I'm not sure, but like the, the girl in the photo doesn't look like a scammer. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what a scammer they, looks like. But. <laughs> well, they are just using somebody else's photograph. And, and with, that, with that innocent person's photograph, I'm told that these same individuals that are person you came across is also selling tickets tonight for gigs in the O2 in London. 
I wouldn't have been able to see it because I'm blocked. Yeah, but, well, yeah. take my word for it. I can see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine know. the amount of money that can be made from unsuspecting members of the public just doing this? Absolutely, absolutely. That's why it needs to be raised. Oh, my God. You must be livid. I was last night, yeah. It's hard-earned money, €180. Euro. It is, yeah. yeah. I know. I suppose nothing I can do now, but just make other people aware. I know. You ain't going to Florence and the Machine. No, no. It's sad, isn't it? don't even want to try it anymore now. <laughs> You've paid for them and you're not going. If by yeah. any chance that somebody might have a few knocking around, I'll get back to you, Laurie. But thank you Perfect. for warning other thank people. Thank you so much. It is the Wild West out there. Thank you. It is, it is. Take care. Yeah, just Take be care. careful. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. That's happening wholesale, guys. And last week it was uh, Codaline. This week, uh, Musgrave Park, it's Florence and the Machine. And it, God knows it's happening uh, as I say, somebody could literally sit down all day, every day, scamming people for gigs, not necessarily just musical gigs, but maybe sporting events as well, all over the world. Back to RTE, this is wrong, that the whole of RTE is tainted by this scandal. The sticking plaster will not be good enough in this case. Uh, well, it's wrong in the sense that many people are working away hard for much less money, I suppose, and are completely innocent of all of this. RT is nothing more than the government's propaganda machine. That's why they thought they could get away with anything. Uh, I can't see Ryan Tuberty ever working for RT again, Neil. If he was on the radio today, he couldn't even walk into the canteen. Even with that aside, he has no credibility left to interview anyone. Perhaps the use, somebody suggesting, of the UK company Invoice. If you were listening to the programme earlier on this morning, uh, there was this um, agreement made up that RT said to Ryan Tuberty's agent, to get a UK company invoice, send a UK company invoice for the 75 grand every year. We will pay it, but mark it as a consultancy fee. Somebody saying that that could be done because the VAT would be zero between RTE and the UK company. Thank you for that. I'm wondering, did Ryan know this was coming down the tracks? Amazing how he left the Late Late Show just before all this came out. Nah, I, I, I don't buy that because if that were the case, he... Wouldn't have stayed on radio as well then, would he? Is it not illegal for an employer to pay an employee cash under the table? Yeah, I don't know that it was that. And I'm imagining that it was returned to revenue as a taxable income. And then lots of people who are talking about whether or not uh, people should pay the license fee. Uh, Your caller is a man after my own heart. I don't pay it either. And I don't believe it's a 15% non-payments figure either. Half of Dublin council tenants pay rent so they're hardly paying a television license, as an example. Is that what they put the non-compliance at? 15% of the public don't pay uh, the license fee. I'll tell you one thing, that percentage figure is only going to go one way, and that is north, as in up. Uh, can I go east along the road, if you don't mind, because there was a story over the weekend of a wolf, um, and now apparently it mightn't be a wolf, but a German shepherd-wolf mix. Um, And it originated at Rumley's Farm in Waterfall, but apparently it has gone missing. It's gone rogue in the sense that nobody knows where it is, but it is on the loose. And I was curious, actually, to see if there were any updates as to where the wolf is. And indeed, um, I wouldn't be be sticking my hand out to pat the head of a wolf anytime soon. Let me find out if I'm right in that regard. Vincent Cashman's with the CSPCA. Vincent, good morning. Good morning, Neil. What is it? Okay, the, ori- the original breed, um, you're correct. It's a cross between a German Shepherd and a wolf way back when. I think it was the 50s or 60s that they, they tried to create this breed. 
Um, they call no. it a Czech wolf dog. Correct. You know by looking at it. You know by looking at the head that it's not a. It's not a pure wolf. Okay. Is it more? Uh, wolves are dangerous. Though. You don't approach them, no. No, you don't. I mean, look. It, this. It, it, the, the the staff in Rumleys now would know this dog very very well. We'll just call it a dog now, just for for, for, for for sake of argument at the moment. Not a wolf. So I'm. It's it, no. It would have. It would be wolf looking. And some collections got these dogs because they looked like wolves rather than looking like your regular dog. So this dog, this decide. dog or wolf dog is called Axel. Mm-hmm. And Cork and Cor- Bio say that uh, Rumley's told them that it does not pose a danger to the public. G- gener- generally speaking, these dogs won't pose a threat. Now, I'm not sure whether... Um, Rumleys have staff out looking for this dog at the moment. They, I, I'm assuming they have. Um, that they could be very. They're. Um, they they know their own people, so you you have a greater chance of them coming over towards them rather than coming towards anybody else. Ah, oh, right. They should, okay. they should be generally speaking shy of other humans. Yeah, they're well. Wolves themselves are kind of they they're loners in packs, aren't they? Wolves. Now, if we were dealing with. If we were dealing with a solid wolf, with no crossing out or anything like that, that would be a different story to dealing with this animal. Now that we would have a danger to the public then? Yes. Okay, okay. I mean, the wolf, there's been talk before of releasing wolves in Ireland. Yeah. The Green the Party idea, want that, don't they? they well, it, it's a very, very romantic notion. But anywhere where you have wolves that have been released um, in Europe... Uh, farmers and locals, they have been causing a nuisance. I mean, Ursula von der Leyen's pony was actually killed by a wolf. So it, you're, you're going sheep, to have... Sheep would be a danger. Lambs would be a danger. Or sheep, anything like that would be a danger. If it was a, if it was a pure wolf, I think um, this animal does look like a wolf. People should be wary of it. I wouldn't be approaching it or yeah. trying to capture it. Yeah. But I would definitely be contacting um, Romley's just to make sure they, they, they look, and again, I'm assuming here they probably have staff out looking. They have. They've been quoted as saying we're making every effort to get him back. We have cages set up with food, and we're hoping we can catch him that way. Apparently, he's been spotted around Ballinhasig and Waterfall and places like that. But they're telling members of the public, leave it to us to catch him. Stay away. Yes, that would probably be the best option because the, the, he knows his own people. So they, you, you greater chance. So they would be suspect of with their strangers coming towards them. So poor old Axel really is out of his comfort zone, I suppose, and probably is frightened and lost. Yeah, he is, and he's probably trying to find his way back. But um, that that can happen when they get lost. You see, they just become disorientated, and then they're trying to find their way back. But they're getting further and further away as they're trying to do it. Yeah, yeah. How would they? I did read in the article that they might use a tranquilizer gun. To yes. sedate him, I suppose. Is that what you do? Um, if if we we'll say the best option is if the dog will come over towards them. Yeah. If he doesn't, if he's not going to be, um, if they want to try traps, like anything basically that you can you can get your arsenal on to, to try and catch him. Um, but I wouldn't be ruling out that. No. Okay, so hopefully there may be some update, but members of the public are probably being asked to report a sighting, I guess, yeah, to Rumley's? Just to report, and that's what I would do. Report all the sightings. Some of them now will turn out that they're, with any of these report anything strange like this, they could go from a Jack Russell up to a horse and size. <laughs> but, which has happened, believe it or not, which has happened. So if anything that they that get a description of the animal, and once they take, once 
like anything once they think it's credible and what they're, what they're viewing is credible okay. then uh, I'm presuming again that Romilly Staff will go out and try okay. and, and try and get so it's not, it's not a pure it's not an actual wolf it's a wolf in inverted commas or a wolf in sheep's clothing or it's actually a Czech wolf dog that's out there Czech wolf dog and I mean it, it, that was it, it, the, the original ones were bred we'd say 50 years ago for argument's sake so this guy might be there might be more dog in this in this animal now rather than then wolf or how closely bred it was to a wolf is the thing, you know. Gotcha. I'm up to speed. Yeah. Everybody gets it now. Vincent, as always, thank you so much as usual. Always at the end of a phone, Vincent Cashman <laughs> with the CSPCA. We contacted Rumley's uh, twice, inviting them to come on the show, uh, but they have not responded. Back after the break. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818-104-106. And the Monday Munchies, courtesy of ourselves and offbeat donuts. You've got about five minutes now to text who you are and where you are and why you deserve this uh, fabulous treat up to five boxes of donuts uh, Red Patrollers will pick them up from Offbeat Donuts on French Church Street and deliver them to your workplace this lunchtime so text or WhatsApp uh, 0868104106 as we say good morning for the Monday Munchies to ML Scaffolding Services at Mernan and O'Shea's they're on site in Ballancolic working very hard the energy levels would be boosted with donuts Tony Doyle Transport in Glanmire would love some of the donuts they're flat out busy of a Monday morning. Uh, offbeat donuts are the cream of the crop. We'd love some to keep our energy up this Monday morning, says Plaster Bead in Glenmire. Another few shout outs here. Offbeat donuts, please. Very busy bunnies in the Cork Clinic. We need some joy in our lives of a Monday. Who doesn't? So good morning to Lisa, Sharon, Grace, and Emer. Uh, we'd love to win donuts for all of the crew in the endoscopy unit in the matter private. DH1 Hair Salon on Dublin Hill would love a sugar rush of a Monday morning. Emma in the Lee Clinic has been working away since half ten, busy as always, and would love these as nice Monday treats for herself and Aveline and Loretta. Uh, Loretto and Elaine and the consultants and uh, they all need feeding and final one now Bishop O'Hearn National School Liam Lara as they limp towards the end of year tomorrow it will be a lovely treat to finish the year and share it with the children says Carmel Mammy to teacher Lorraine or Lorna I should say so Mammy of teacher Lorna calling in for the staff at Bishop O'Hearn National School so uh, text who you are and where you are you got about five minutes 086 8104106. While that is happening, can I please let you know that I'm opening the phone lines. Here's your cue to call now. Every day this week, we have a 400 euro voucher for the furniture center on the Watercourse Road in Blackpool to give away. So, two callers will come on air and we will play 30 seconds. I'll give you the hints and the clues, or at least do my best not to make a hames of it. Whoever gets the most in 30 seconds wins a 400 euro voucher every day for the furniture center. In Blackpool. So here is the qualifying question. We'll take callers 9 and 10. Callers 9 and 10. You got to know the answer. 60 years ago today, the US President JFK made his infamous visit to Ireland. But what city was he assassinated in just five months later? So I don't know about the word infamous. It was a famous visit uh, to Ireland. Um, the city where he was assassinated would have been deemed as an infamous visit, I suppose, because it ended his life. So 60 years ago today, JFK in Ireland. But what city was he assassinated in just five months later? So pick up the phone, call us 9 and 10, please, 0818-104-106, and let's get on with uh, 30 seconds. Meanwhile, I'm going to go back to the phone lines, and uh, Emma is on line one. Emma, good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm good. We were talking about the wolf dog down that got away from Rumley's, but you went to Rumley's uh, at the weekend, is it? 
it was actually in April I in, went. That was uh, that was my email that I sent to the CSTCA. I just copied and pasted it. You copied, you sent it to me, and that's why I said yesterday, yeah. but it was actually April. Okay, go yeah. ahead. Okay, okay. How, so, was the, how was the visit at Romley's Farm? Awful. And it was my first time there. Like, I was, I only went because I felt my friend went out for a spin, and we said, look, we'll do something different. We'll go off to the farm, and I regret it ever since. Why? I hear great it reports is. of it. Everybody, great family day out. Oh, no, it's absolutely awful. It's great if you don't care about animals and you're just looking for something to do. But if you care about the animals and animal welfare, it's somewhere where you would not be happy coming out of. Like, all the animals are disheveled. Their their hair, their fur, everything's overgrown. Like, I put pictures and videos on the Facebook as well for people to see. And since I have, people are putting up even more photos and stuff. And it's just awful to see the condition of some of the animals out there. Honestly, now I left so upset. I actually reported it to the staff as I was leaving because I thought one of the animals was in danger out there because there was one thing in particular there was up the very very back there's like what looked like an old football field so like there was two old gold posts up there and there was a bunch of rams in there and one of the rams in particular was being attacked by all the others now that's normal behaviour for animals that's just how animals work but if that was on a proper farm and one animal was being attacked like that over and over to the point where it could barely get up and walk anymore, they'd be separated. They wouldn't keep those animals in the same enclosure. But if mm. it was in the wild, like that's how they work. Mm. But they're not in the wild. They're in an enclosure in a farm that's supposed to be a family farm. This particular ram was being rammed by all the others, every single one of them. He kept trying to walk. I was watching it for, I'd say, half an hour waiting for a staff member to come up near us start walking around see if we could find anyone not one staff member anywhere to be found so this ram was running away from the rest of them and they all kept chasing him okay. and knocking him to the floor And What, what else did you see? So there's a field of goats as well and kids the baby goats like and there was a sign pushed on the fence and it said unfortunately some of our goats are currently limping and are being treated by our vets I believe that if there was one or two goats that were limping, every single one of those goats were limping, including the babies. They were around grazing the grass and every single one of them limping or their legs were collapsing to the floor. That's not normal behaviour for goats. Like if there was a goat unwell, usually you kind of take it to the back and away from the public viewing. But every single one of them having a problem with their legs was just... Okay. uh, it, It just didn't sit right with me. And then there was a petting area that every so often a staff member will come out and put a load of the animals onto the table and basically the kids get free reign then and when I was there they put loads of animals out like it was guinea pigs and some other animals they wouldn't even know the names of them but there was kids picking them up and dropping them from heights and throwing the animals and stuff and it's like the staff member didn't even care I was watching it and so was my friend like is this person even watching them but, were there, but surely their parents would intervene and stop them being cruel like that. Asher and Neil, do you think some parents would do that? Some parents don't care. They just let their kids run free. Okay, okay. And so, then so, there's a little... Yeah, yeah, we're talking goats and donkeys and rabbits and guinea pigs and, uh, and uh, tons of chicks crammed into a small tank. What is that about? Yes, so basically when the chicks are at such an age, they're under like a lamp, a heat lamp. So they had them in a small little, what I'd call a cage. It was a glass little cage now, like, but it was so small. And I'd say there was at least 30 or 40 chicks in it, literally all crammed together. And the majority of them actually looked like they had ringworm. Like they were missing so much fur. They looked, they actually looked so unhealthy. 
Now, she did take out a few for the kids to pet. Like, I wouldn't touch one now at all because, like, ring, if it was ringworm, that's contagious to humans as well. But, like, they just looked in such condition and the fact that they were in such a small glass tank that was rusty and everything, like, mm-hmm. I just... Mm. Like, they just don't seem to get the care that they need down there. And um, so, a pony called Freddy. Yes. So he has... I couldn't even tell you now the size of it. The smallest little enclosure ever for a pony I'd say it's about four ponies in it standing wise and that would be it so he's in a little enclosure in the testing area and he gets taken out a few times a day for the kids to ride him up and down and then he gets put back in again when I was there his hooves were overgrown and he just honestly sadness in his eyes you could see he was just standing there wouldn't respond to anyone like there was barely any hay in his little enclosure like that pony should not be kept in there he should have a bigger enclosure or be out in the field like and then next to him there was the donkeys and there were some goats and some sheep. If you have a look on my post on their Facebook page, you can see it. Someone put up a photo of the sheep. You can't even see the sheep's eyes. The his coat is so heavy and so massive and just coming down completely over his face. But doesn't doesn't Rumley's operate under license? Apparently so. Yeah. So that would be so. But you did you speak to staff about what you say was was cruel treatment? I did, and they said they get someone to deal with it, but I haven't heard anything since. So I got onto the CSPCA, I'm after getting onto the ISPCA and Animal Welfare, and I've also been speaking to somebody who actually worked there herself for two days and she left. And the reason she was there for two days is because she went back the second day to get pictures and videos. She said there's actually more animals kept out the back that you wouldn't even know are there, like a raccoon and other things that are in awful conditions. And she went ahead and she went and called the Department of Agriculture and everything like so. She's convinced they're paying somebody to keep Uh, themselves open. uh, Well, you know, you can't be saying things like that. I mean, you can only deal with things that you can prove and things that you've actually seen with your own eyes. And who did you complain to that you sent me a copy of this to? So that email was to the CSPCA and Vincent himself got back to me and they passed it on to the relevant people. I sent it to the ISPCA and then only over the weekend there when everything happened with Axel, I got on to the Department of Agriculture. And what do you think should happen next? Someone needs to go down from the Department of Agriculture and see it for themselves and then they can decide if it's appropriate to be open. By all means, go ahead, but something has to be done. I see a report from 2019 where concerns were raised about sanitation, noting maggots and rodent feces in food preparation areas, large rats, uh, meat defrosting in a sink that drained into a playground, effluent from a pig enclosure running into a duck pond, a pony found on its side because its hooves had grown too long. Surely be to God, it's not the same pony. It is the same pony, yep. Okay, okay, okay. The hooves were still long as well when I had gone that time. And in the milking parlour... There's public toilets in there, but there's not a light in there. The thick, thick cobwebs, it actually looks like no one has gone in there for years. Like, it's, I walked into the milk parlour and came straight back out. I didn't okay. go down the There's also a part of it here that talks about officials flagging repeated escapes, not unlike, the, not unlike Axel the wolf dog, including yeah. invasive species and multiple incidents in which fleeing animals were shot. Um, it's sad, like it's just unfair on the animals. Okay. And are there many other people online reviewing like you? Yeah. In a negative yeah. way? Yeah, and especially on my post in particular, I just left a review on their page and there's people coming up on that. 
and on Torque Bio, their posts about Axel, there's loads of people complaining on those as well about it. Okay, okay. I'll leave it there for now. That's the story that we'll return to in the morning. I'd love to have an opportunity to talk to Rumleys on this matter. Thank you, Emma, though. Appreciate no you having Thank the courage you. of your convictions. Okay, thanks so much. Um, anyway, it's sad, really, isn't it? Because it should be a very happy experience, certainly in her individual case, exclusively to Emma. It was far from it. But your own thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. All right. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Okay, more Monday Munchie shoutouts before we finish up. D&G Motors, the dealers in Glanton, looking for a treat to get the week off to a good start. Toss Brian and Fromoy, please, oh please, can we have those donuts? We have 40 amazing, fantastic, hardworking staff, the best people you'll ever have meet in your lifetime. They go above and beyond. Thank you, Brian, in Fromoy. Please help banish your OMG. Please help banish the Monday Blues with some tasty donuts. We're all working hard at Dairy Gold Accounts Payable Department. And the teachers and SNAs at my two sons' school, Rathpeakin National School on the Old Mallow Road, to thank them so much for their hard work for the kids all week, all year long. Uh, Brina in Donworth and Company on Fort Chill would love the Monday treat. Our boss has his birthday this week. We'd love to treat him. A treat on a Monday would be fabulous. Donuts from Offbeat Donuts. We'd be weak. We'd be weak. If we could, and it would give us a serious lift today. Uh, we'd love a donut for the day, for donut day for all of us at Common Sports on the North Main Street. Susan, Emer, Eileen, Shirley, Jade, Lisa, and Lorraine. I won't have time for any more shout-outs at this stage, but we will pick a winner in a few minutes' time. We put a poll up online uh, yesterday. The question being asked was: Public confidence in RTE is at an all-time low following the revelations of secret payments and credit note dealings. What I wanted to know was, will you be renewing your television licence next time it comes around? 81% of people said no. Now, that could be a notional thought that, you know, you're saying, I won't, but you actually will. (laughs) But 81% of people who responded said no, they will not. 19% said yes. Uh, I wonder which section you'd be in, the yay or nay. You might feel like not wanting to pay it but ultimately end up doing it out of fear. Anyway, talking about the fear. Anytime I play this uh, game, I get the fear. I really do. Suzanne is in Balancholic. Suzanne, good morning. Morning, Neil. And Marie is in Cove. Marie, good morning. Morning, Neil. Okay. I get the fear here because they hand me the two cards, right? And then I have to try my best to help you guys to win a prize. So my apologies if I make a hames of it, all right? Okay. I, I'm going to do my best to follow the rules. It causes a load of rows in my house anytime I play 30 seconds, but I'm going to do my best anyway, so bear with me. Thank you. Give me the first card there. Okay, so uh, Susanna Sullivan in Balancholic, you're first up. So what's the answer to the qualifier? It was um, Dallas. Dallas, Texas is right. Yeah. That was the city where JFK was assassinated. Are you ready? I am. <laughs> okay. Hang in there in the meantime, Marie. You're next. Boom, ba bum bum. Your 30 second clock, Suzanne, starts now. The television series where all the girls went around in bikinis. Baywatch. Yeah, Baywatch. The um, uh, ice cream that um, they sell in McDonald's. McFlurry. The crazy scientist built this guy from body parts. Um. I'm, uh, uh, what, Frank? Yeah, well done. The dr- the drummer with you too. Oh, um, oh God! Uh, <sighs> not God, no. 
not God. <laughs> not God. How do we do? You got three out of five. Sorry, I, I did my best for you. I did my best. Hold on. We'll see if three out of five can do it, all right? Okay, thanks. Don't go anywhere. Marie? Yep. Are you ready? Ready as I'll be. Okay. <laughs> Three or more wins a 400 euro voucher for the furniture centre on the Watercourse Road in Blackpool. Are you ready? Here we go. Your 30 second clock starts. I hate this game. I hate it. It starts now. Um, The day after Christmas. Stephen's Day. Well said. Um, The home of Fidel Castro. Cuba. All right. The, the, The brother of Nathan. No, the singer one. Nathan, you know, rock me, oh, mama, like what? Well, yeah, his brother. Oh, don't know. Um, uh, it's not Coronation Street. It's doom, 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 doom. East Enders. The big. <laughs> oh my God! What did you get? You got one. You got two. You got three. Oh no! It's a tie for three. Oh my God! <laughs> it's a tie for three. <laughs> I tell you what, we can have a playoff or you can take 200 each. The choice is yours. We'll take 200 each. Suzanne, you you okay with 200? Absolutely thrilled. All right, Marie? Yeah, absolutely, me too. Better than going away (laughs) with nothing. You're more than welcome. I hate ties. I hate ties. Anyway, well done. 200 euro vouchers for each of you. Marie Murphy and Cove and Suzanne O'Sullivan in Ballancolic. Let's see what tomorrow wins. An all-out winner. We'll get a 400 euro voucher for the furniture centre um, down in uh, Watercourse Road in Blackpool. Um, I need a winner for our um, Munchie Monday Munchies. Your opportunity to get uh, upwards of 60 donuts delivered by Red Patrollers this uh, lunchtime. Five boxes of them, courtesy of ourselves, and offbeat donuts creating circles of obsession on French Church Street. And this week's Monday Munchies are ML Scaffolding Services who are working on the Mernan and O'Shea site in Ballincollig, working very hard and need the energy levels boosted. I tell you, those buildings, whatever it is you're building, they'll fly up this afternoon after a whole feast of donuts this lunchtime. So enjoy. We'll get them your way in the next couple of hours. Our lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106. You can email neil at redfm.ie. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.